0: Colonel Harvey, so help me out here, is this not a trap laid for us in Gaza, the Muslim Brotherhood? And they'll sacrifice, because they play the long game, they'll sacrifice a few foot soldiers, even some, even some field commanders in the Muslim Brotherhood Palestinian Division, which is Hamas. We should always, this is very important, you know, Hezbollah's is the, uh, the, 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 the army of God, it's a political party up in Lebanon, but it's, the, it's, it's, it's Lebanese Muslims. Uh, Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood, now you got the Shiites in, in, in Lebanon, you got the, the Muslim Brotherhood, the Sunnis down there, they're all working together. Persia, is not Iran, it's Persia. Any kid out there that's seen the movie 300 or seen this, this is the Persians, they, they've had it in for the West for, I don't know, 10,000 years, right? To, to Israel, right? The, 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 the captivities, what the Persians did, they've hated the West. From time immemorial, this is just another fight. And of course, Lao Bai Jing, the Chinese people, Derek, as you know, support us, support the United States. They want freedom, they want liberty, but they're they're ruled by the new emperors of the Chinese Communist Party. The, the Chinese Communist Party in the Persians lay a trap for us in, uh, in Gaza, sir.
1: Well, I think they are trying to bleed us, distract us, and undermine our resources as we're involved in various places, and then to see what opportunities present themselves. I think that's true. That said, I also think that if Israel is not successful in dismantling Hamas and making sure the world knows that, it will impact us significantly. So that's the dilemma that we have as we go forward. Um, what I'd like to point out is you know, as, as we're going through this, they're trying to delegitimize Israel through lawfare, asymmetric warfare, using the propaganda of the victimization of the Palestinians that are in Gaza, and we're already seeing that in the media, and we see it from the administration. They don't make the same complaints about the Ukraine Russia conflict. You know, it's risky; it could ex- expand; it could we could risk nuclear war um you know we need to end the cycle of violence those types of things no but they bring that that language into the the situation between israel and you know hamas which is unfortunate and as we head into you know what could be a significant ground campaign steve i mentioned to you on a note you know about what this war will look will look like on the ground and war is brutal steve and I'm, Our media and our elites don't seem to understand that, and this is a declared war. One side has to fight the war. One side is using civilians to protect themselves and has been proud of that. But in Aachen, Germany, in 1944, we lined up our artillery and destroyed the town block by block, building by building, rather than go in there and fight and lose American lives. We did the same thing in the tunnels in the island campaign. In the Pacific, where we had petrol poured down tunnel complexes and lit. And then we bulldozed over where smoke and stuff came up through the tunnel complexes over acres and acres of land. War is brutal. And what we're looking at in Gaza is going to be buildings set up as booby traps, Streets set up as booby on, Hang
0: on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The New York Times reported this article, and I've put it up on Getter. And uh, n- people need to read this because you know, this region better than anybody. Uh, it's not just the Mossad. It's just not IDF military intelligence and their internal military intelligence. The missed strategically, the one or two years of detailed planning, recruiting, mm-hmm. financing, training for this, this, this air, sea, land attack. It's even at the moment of attack, it took six or eight hours for the IDF to respond. And quite frankly, some of the IDF response didn't look that great. I mean, Correct. are we living under a myth that, look, Israel were the Jewish Spartans in 67. What they did was so heroic. In 73, when they were caught a little bit unaware, not on top of it, during the high holidays, they still hid back and hit back hard. Are we kidding ourselves that the same problem we've had here, and you just saw a color, rev- color revolution, exactly the, the playbook they ran on Trump. Right. To try to force Netanyahu out of office. The exact same playbook and many of the same players. Is the military there To The problem is it's woke like the United States military? That we have a problem actually tactically and operationally, sir?
1: They believed their own narratives that they were superior and they could handle anything. They underestimated the enemy. They have a problem with being woke and being politicized. And not having been disciplined and maintaining the rigor that has been necessary, and that is the the historical tradition of the IDF. Yes, they have become softer. They're going to have to learn from this and sharpen their blades and be ready for much tougher fights going forward. The future of Israel is at stake in the outcome of this conflict, in my view. Uh, Why do you say that? Because if they fail, it's going to signal to the rest of the world that the United States cannot support and the IDF is not up to the task. Deterrence will be undermined because in that part of the world, you need to really hammer your foes and be brutal about it and win a war. And if you don't do that and you don't show your mettle, then they're going to come back after you. And China and Russia and Turkey and Qatar are going to take advantage of it. And if I was Bibi, one of the things I would demand of the president in the next phone call he gets asking for them to reestablish more relief efforts for the Palestinians, the last phone call on Saturday, they turned the water on based upon the demand of, the, of President Biden. I would ask of the United States, I demand of the United States that you pressure Gutter and get the Hamas leadership turned over. It's as if Osama bin Laden was still sitting there in gutter it's the same thing hold it
0: turn it turn it over they're having press conferences in gutter C- cutter is the is the is the, is I know, the I next. am i incorrect in that all the financing goes through there everybody's got an office every 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 terror group in the united states cutter was not with us when president trump tried to cut off the financing those they're the ones that got up on our grill everybody looks the other way the, the American the Wall Street's in business with them. The city of London's in business with them. They're spread, they spread money all over. They're trying to make investments in sports franchises here in the United States. They're trying to, uh, they're, 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 they're the railhead of much of the problem. They're the Absolutely interconnection right. also between the Persians and, and the Sunni. So
2: Absolutely are we kidding right.
0: ourselves? They're doing press conferences. So no, what,
1: what should that's happen? What that's, a problem. that's a United States problem. We need to go after that problem. They're getting a pass by this administration and the world community. And you and I both know that Mohammed bin Zayed and Mohammed bin Salman and the leaders in the Arab world understand this about gutter and that they have been working all sides, playing nice with us publicly and diplomatically, but they are, you know, evil in this regard. And We've got too many leaders in the Pentagon and the intelligence community, the administration, who benefit, as well as think tanks like Brookings, who benefit from the largesse of the Qataris, and that's their money that they pay off to protect themselves. That's their protection money. the The intelligence security services, the Mukhabarat, the militaries of the region—they all understand the Palestinians are troublemakers, just like the Qataris are. And we have to understand which side we need to be on at the end of the day.
0: Colonel Harvey, can you hang for one more, one more segment? Colonel Harvey, uh, Matt Gaetz um, believes President Biden's done the right thing by sending two carrier battle groups to the eastern Mediterranean. My concern with that is like sending the carrier battle group into the Persian Gulf. I think the eastern meds are shooting gallery now, particularly with advanced technology. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're, the, you're the military strategist guy. Isn't, the, isn't deterrence the belief of the enemy that you will actually use? And do you think what will happen in the Middle East, given your 30 years, 40 years of experience over there with CENCOM and in Iraq and in the White House? What, what will happen in the region if American combat troops are, are put in or American air power comes to the defense of Israel?
1: I believe that would be one of the worst things we could do. Resupply, intelligence, medical supplies, provide blood banks since the National Red Cross refuses to provide blood and blood products to the IDF. I think it would rebound against us if we took a direct part and the Israeli political leadership understands that very well. And they do not want to be dependent upon the United States in that way. I'll break right there and just say something about Hezbollah and their, their thinking. They were shocked by the pummeling they took for taking dealing with two or three Israelis that were taken IDF soldiers and the deaths of some soldiers previously about 10 years ago. And they do not want to go through that again. And that's part of the reason that the Israelis mobilized 300,000 reservists, is they're sending a signal to their neighbors in the north and to Syria that we're in the big leagues right now, and if you mess with us, we're going to hammer you. The question for me is, does Israel have the capacity, the training, the leadership, the weapons and the munition reserve to be able to do what is necessary?
0: The munition reserves, uh, let's talk about that in, in, in the whole geostrategic picture, including Taiwan. Correct me if I'm wrong. Haven't we, and hasn't the Israelis, shipped so many weapons into, into, the, into the failed war in Ukraine that, um, that everybody's short of ammo right now. We're short in Taiwan. The Western Pacific's short. The army is short over there. The Israelis are short, and one of the reasons they're short and critically right now is because of their involvement in the Ukraine situation.
1: You're absolutely right. You're well read, Steve. <laughs> um, you know, the IDF reserve stocks were, were managed by the United States, and they drew on, on those stocks in order to redirect those munitions to the Ukrainian military. Ho, 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 whoa, 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 whoa.
0: Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You just dropped a bomb. I want this, is why I ask a question. I want everybody to understand this. Hit rewind and go back through there for a second because we didn't need to get here. And we're in it now. And my fear is another 10 or 20 because when you have the Turks and the Persians and the Bedouins and the Arabs and all of it, when it lights up, you're you're not going to be put this back in the bottle. This is warfare is always about annihilation that keeps increasing. That's what the history of this war shows. So the history of these wars show us, and that's what's going to happen here. So we gotta we gotta nip it in the bud at the beginning. Walk me through ha, ha, who manages the IDF's
1: reserve stocks. U.S. War reserves. We maintain a a control element over those to be able to access them if they are needed by a decision of the United States. And we initiated that action some time ago in order to draw down U.S.-provided munitions that were being maintained by the IDF for the IDF use, and they were redirected to the Ukrainian campaign.
0: Where do you think we stand right now in relation to a... a, a State actors are really a a, a national fight, not just a terrorist fight, but a national and an army fight in Air Force and artillery up in uh, up in um, Galilee, in
1: in northern Israel and in, in Lebanon and over in Syria. Well, I think Israel maintains sufficient capabilities to maintain a a robust and significant response, but their ability to do what is necessary, in my view is compromised to a degree because what we're facing in the north is very different from what's happened in the south. It's gonna be nearly two hundred thousand more accurate uh, missiles of various range types uh, that can some can reach all the way down to Damona and southern Israel and some are shorter range but they have the massive numbers along with increased lethality and accuracy to put a real hurt on the IDF, civilian infrastructure, power plants, and airfields that could come close to, if not actually overwhelm the ability of the IDF and the Iron Dome to defend its critical infrastructure.
0: The 80,000 to 200,000 missiles, because there's is a range of what people say. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are there just about a hundred target sets? It's not just the the the, the scale of the weaponry that um, that Hezbollah has and the Persians have. It's that Israel is actually geographically quite small, and you only have about a hundred target sets. Correct. Well,
1: for the uh, for the Hezbollah, they only have to focus on about a hundred target sets. Correct. So it's a small target environment where they can concentrate. Tremendous amount of lethal power. And for Israel to go after it, they have to be able to strike deep into northern Lebanon because they've got more missiles that can fire from farther north and hit all the way to the south, along with a range of shorter and intermediate range missiles. And they have been putting the stocks, the munitions, the transporters for these missiles, they have them located under hospitals. In universities, in villages, they build houses with with the, the principle of using civilians and civilian infrastructure to protect their military capability. And so we wind up with the same thing of, oh, the Israelis are killing civilians. And that becomes the asymmetrical lawfare part of this to undermine international goodwill for the IDF in Israel.
0: What should um, we ask, uh, Congressman Gates? This. Uh, what should this audience look for? What are you looking for over the next couple of days to see how this how this war develops? What are the two or three key things that our audience should be focused on?
1: Well, I I'm keying in on the administration's signals to the IDF and what they're going to try to do to restrain them, um, and that's an important factor for. You know, for my consideration, because any restraint on them is going to hurt American national security and economic interests because success for Israel is paramount here in this, in this case, I view, because it's so important for American security writ large. Um, I am looking for the posture of Egypt and other Arab states. I don't expect them to change very much, but if there is some shift, I, I would be interested in that towards the Palestinians. As I said, they consider the Palestinians troublemakers and a threat, and they don't want them, and they don't want to open the borders or do much for them. Um, so there's there's that. And I would be interested in what China and Iran are going to be doing behind the scenes to uh, encourage Hamas and the international community to want Hamas to spark the fight more, continue firing rockets. And continue with their lawfare, asymmetric media campaign, claiming victimization, and the pressure on international organizations, along with President Z saying enough, sub- enough is enough. And we've already seen that from the foreign minister calling for an immediate ceasefire, where you cement in a Hamas victory of a con- of a sort.
0: It'd be a total victory. Um, two things: the refugees. Will Egypt? open up and, uh, and, and allow refugee camps. But even in doing that, with the Palestinians leaving, wouldn't that be, theoretically, the Muslim Brotherhood uh, giving up territory to, to Israel?
1: Well, I don't believe there's gonna be any plan for you know, Israel to massively depopulate Gaza. That's beyond the pale. Reducing the footprint in the north, push people to the south, clear the the north, and then let people back in. I, I look at this almost like Germany after World War II, where you have to vet and validate every person for their ties to the Nazi party. And when you come across someone who was part of the Nazi party, you hold them, you vet them, you bring some to trial, and you get the consequential punishment for the real bad actors. And then you repopulate the north, and then you proceed to the south. I think that's how it's going to have to be done.
0: That would entail a massive Marshall Plan, but we'll talk about it another time. Colonel Harvey, how do people get to you in all your writings?
1: Well, Steve, if people would like me to come and speak to them, uh, reach out to me at DerekHarvey.org or on Twitter at Colonel D. Harvey and on Truth Social, it's at Derek Harvey.
2: So here we're back again with Looking Glass Forum. We gotta do another introduction here to the, to the show. And we got an interesting change in, in the circumstances and the events of our time and our news situation here as we are looking at the news cycle. So we just have this remarkable turn of events where the whole system that we've been talking about for a long time, a lot of the people that were discussing like conspiracy history over the last couple of decades that I've listened to, you discussed how the, the betrayal of the Muslim people by the 9-11 PSYOP operations, which just reopened the old kind of historical wounds of the Crusader Wars, the Knights of Templar, the Teutonic Knights, or, you know, Maltese Knights riding down to go to fight, you know, the Richard of the Lionheart and all the Crusade fighters going to just free Palestine, right? Liberate Jerusalem from the the Saracen and the infidel and get your, get your blessing and go to straight to heaven, right? So this is the kind of concepts that the old re-emergence of the Crusade Wars that was the advent of the nine eleven events. And of course, you can see Daddy Bush and George Bush really quiet now, kind of quiet in the background. And they're all trying to protect their, their flank here to protect their hindsight as Mitt Romney is gone and has gone out of the picture. Biden is gone out of the picture. His mind is gone. And so the old power elite and all their secrets and all their their ways of pulling the strings are going to, are, are going to ch- have to change hands here, and so the, it's going to get messy. And to listen to Jack Posobiec talk about the churn is kind of like makes your hair stand on end. It's kind of horrible. It, rem- it reminds me of like reading about the Bolshevik Revolution and about how the the society after the fall of the the Czar just kind of fell into complete anarchy and madness as different color revolutions and political factions vied for power, and it just became a, a really horrifying mess. And so I just see that as our our currency is collapsing and our culture is collapsing. And you can see the politics is becoming, uh, they're they're going from a soft tyranny to a hard tyranny pretty fast. So, you know, everyone's going to jail now. Trump is supposed to be going to jail. Steve Bannon is supposed to go to jail. And uh, who else? Who else is supposed to go to jail? Everyone? Oh, oh, Owen Schroer, right? The, the jail club. So I guess it's all about it's all up to us guys. It's all left to us to it's all on our shoulders now. You can see that the our officers and our the leaders of our battle are going down and we have to follow them bravely into the crucible here, right? Into the breach once more. And we have to go again and again to continue to fight this fight against this tyranny in Washington D.C., this district of corrupt pedophiles, this district of Biden love, you know, uh, Hunter Biden lovers. Right, they love they love Hunter Biden. they all have Hunter Biden laptops like Anthony Weiner. Don't you know? It's all about just it's all about what you think about these pedophiles, man, because it's out in California. It's like pedophile legalization out here in Florida. We're like, if you rape children, we're going to you're going to get the death chop, dude. We're going to kill you. And that's just the culture and the government. Everyone's saying you're just you're under a death sentence if you touch children here. So I don't know why that has to be said. I thought that was already the whole point of having a constitution and a law and a judge and and there's a bailiff guy that was sitting there real tough with the and then you, you know, he the, then they have the keys and they put you in the jails. Like the whole point of having a whole apparatus was f- for sure to make sure that anyone who ever buggered a kid would definitely get the chop, dude. I mean that's the whole point. And then, you know, if somebody stole a loaf of bread or there's other like other other crimes that might happen. But really it's always it's it's always like, you know, the the proverbial witch taking the children in the, like to it, it, Hansel and Gretel. I'm going to Hansel and Gretel right now. It's like, you know, there's always like some kind of maniac out to, to hurt children and we're up against that. We're like, those are the, that's a bad guy. It's Freddy Krueger. That's a bad guy. We're going to defend against the, anyone who hurt children. Like these, these Democrats are lined up with the cartel and the, and this child sex trafficking ring. They're all in all double down, triple down. They're all in, they're all in guys to boot to all, the whole thing. They love. It. They want to normalize this whole child sex trafficking, ad- adrenaline junkie, adrenaline. Uh, I, I, who knows? I, like you know, what, guys. I mean, I, I always knew that for a long time that there was some kind of like child sacrificing going on with the the occult. You know, I always heard that there were some bad guys that were, you know, they you, they would go up into Peru and you would see that they would have the the young women or children out there and they would sacrifice. The children, like, you know, what, what was it all about? You know, in Egypt and Babylon and Persia, everywhere you go, the gods or the society or, uh, you know, the Caesar, so you know, they, they always had to be the placation of the divine ceremony with some child's blood. And then so this adrenalized blood thing, this adrenochrome thing is so sickening. Like, I think that's what's really going on with the advent of like social media and the process of getting ourselves to where we're more and more aware of what's actually happening in the world. And so, so many things have been consigned to the unthinkable into concepts that we're not, we're not able to actually think. So you know, ideas that are totally verboten, like we say, totally outside the, the window of possible intellectual analysis, right? That's what we're talking about. And so you can see that the entire Patriot Act movement that was the lockstep conglomeration of the Homeland Security power structure so that it interlocked its militancy and its extreme prejudice that it was targeting at terrorism, supposedly abroad and overseas and Islamic. But now any kind of religious group can be targeted who ultimately have a high degree of moral persuasion or traditional principle belief system that requires people to, to you know, believe in things that are archaic. People are Latter-day Saints, Either they believe in the Book of Mormon or they believe, you know, these parishioners, they like to have the Latin mass. Various people have the freedom to follow the liberty of their conscience and ultimately the dictates of their heart and those deeply held expression of the dedication of faith and conscientious restraint. People dedicate to their principles. And so any of these ideas now that are based on originalist constitutional interpretations that we have of the law and our rights and, our, and the Constitution, those are all considered archaic and passé. In the default of this Federal Reserve note and this massive $33 trillion debt note, it's being it's been ballooned up. That Kevin McCarthy was pedal to the metal on the absolute out of control debt spending that Washington D.C. Had, was cutting our throat and was sinking us to the bottom of a bottomless pit of debt. And so that was their plan all along. That's what this Biden... That's what this... Ultimately, you can see that the pressures on our money are that the prices on everything we try to buy with our ridiculous Federal Reserve notes are going up and up, while at the same time, the other pressure on the money that's destroying the value of the money is that they're printing millions and millions and millions and billions and billions and tens of billions and hundreds, hundreds of billions of dollars. The printer is going nonstop. It's just just 24 hours a day blowing ink and paper out of there so that the actual value of the money is being exploded. And this is it. This is the final dip. This is the final great catastrophe. It's it's unrecoverable. So the buying power and the purchasing power of our money that we use, that we have to pay taxes in, so the, 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 the requirement for the IRS and the taxes is going to continue to notch up and up and up. Just the way your income taxes do, just like every extreme administration of leftist psychopaths gets in there, and all of a sudden business taxes and expenses go through the roof, and become, you know, all these people have to go out of business. No one can keep up. You know, people can't hire. So that, that's that's the kind of dynamic. This is the destruction of America, economically, culturally, and politically. You can see the sabotage. We're we're still trying to swing the speaker's gavel and all come to order, and, and to, you know. I give back the balance of my time or whatever ridiculous. We're in the middle of an extreme, out-of-control and savage revolution. And just like Victor Davis Hanson is talking to with with Tucker Carlson, you can see that we have an out-of-control deep state apparatus, a biosecurity control grid that's becoming globalist in nature, that's trying to tie in with all the other globalist structures worldwide, with global banking, global health, so the extremity of health crises constantly there to just the way you have to pull over and get out of the way. It's the law when the ambulance comes with the force of that power and that law, just treating us all like we're some kind of veterinary hospital, right? We're, we're all just some kind of pets that they can just decide to experiment on at will. And look at the woman, the, uh, the prime minister out of Australia. She's completely disgusting, A completely out of control, tyrant pig and has destroyed Australia On the whims of just being a moronic little Karen twit, right? This is the kind of this is the kind of bottleneck in power with no checks and balances of the Australian, I don't know, Commonwealth or whatever that thing is over there. Whatever's going on with it, I mean, that's what we always talk about—the Quad, like as if you know, America is going to become part of this Quad with, with. Australia and Japan and America and India are going to be the Quad, but look look at the partners of that, just being completely annihilated and decimated on a global scale. The same thing was happening with Australia. You can see that the Prime Minister there just has totally sacrificed her people to the whims and the payouts and the corruption and the bribery from the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization are absolutely diabolical. It's totally just disgusting. So I have to just point out that this is a fight for the to the finish, guys. Just like Steve Panam was talking about, it's a fight to the quick to the knife. And so you can see on so many levels here that the old Patriot American freeman who was there to look out for the rights of his neighbors. And hold on to his King James Bible and his trusty musket, right, so he could go hunting or shoot at bandits or drive away any kind of danger or, you know, be in a defense against an overreaching tyrannical government, right, the right to bear arms, such a simple thing. But as these rights begin to break down and the cascade and the, the avalanche and the collapse of the Constitution becomes totally complete and every, every, everybody who expects to get their rights met with some kind of, logic and reason are going to be suddenly carted away to the camps. You can see that Hillary Clinton is getting ready now. Now that they've spun this thing out totally, out of control, and they've spun up all these intelligence operations and psychological operations against the American people. You can see that Hillary Clinton, is. she just can't wait to get in there and send all the dissidents to the re-education camps, guys. It's just as simple as that. We've been talking about Rex 84 and the FEMA camps and the King Alfred plan. And so as everything begins to break down, the criminals are going to get totally out of control. As you can see, in America, we have good, civilized, decent, and not deranged maniac criminals. They have regular criminals that club you on the head and take your wallet and run away, right? But these maniacs that are coming in to the country now through the southern border are completely depraved, out-of-control zombies. They're just It's a horde of out-of-control, berserk maniacs, right? So even the, the regular street ruffians and street criminals in New York City and Chicago are already uh, up in arms and complaining about the out-of-control burglaries and crime wave that's coming through the southern border through the way of South America. And so we can see that America, in, in, in so many ways, having Biden allowing him in the White House, and even these people that will listen to him, even these people that are willing to listen to him. Look look at look at these Christopher Rays running the FBI as a straight-up Inquisition to hunt down and target the American people and various people who are patriots, various people who are trying to redress the government for their grievances and petition the government to go back to uh, using the the framework of the Constitution, which is the actual source which the Constitution derives its power from, right? So we, we need to go back and strip back to, I think, the 12th Amendment and strip all the rest away and start over, guys. It's pretty simple. The FBI needs to cease to exist. They're there to, you know, do that shock and awe where they want you to do, to do the the scare tactics where they want to show us how they can kick our door in, we'll wait wait till we fall asleep and then come in and shoot us and murder us. But they can't do that to all of us guys. They they really can't. They they can try to pick and choose certain targets among us in the community and come after them. But that is going to just make them red hot. It's going to make them absolutely. Radioactive and is going to continue to make them more clearly and out of control and weak and pathetic and terrified. These guys, these guys who are running around doing this, who are shooting the old cripple guys, you know, who, who might believe in the Q conspiracy, you know, shooting people like that. These guys are the most deranged and sick pigs out there, right? They got their hair shaved way too close. They got their the wristwatch on way 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 too tight, right? They definitely they definitely don't need to sag their pants if you know what I mean, wink, wink, nod, nod, right? These individuals are, these guys who are going to show up and put all the, the tactical vests on, when there's no one shooting back, everyone's asleep. They're going to come in the house and terrorize everyone, humiliate, and try, the, the Hessians. And the, these FBI agents are the new Hessians, right? Back in the day when the, the colonists were dealing with the, the redcoats and dealing with the different Hessian mercenaries who just hired German murder men, mercenaries, right, to just come through and just terrify the public. Kick in your door and sleep in your bed with you outside, right? And just take, you know, just take your food and just these abuses, and these just the hysteria of, of out of control rapes and the abuse of the people was so out of control that the men went to war. It was one of the main issues why they decided to go and just try to drive these people out. Even if it got him killed, because there were so many, there was reports of of women who were pregnant, who were repeatedly abused in front of their kids, just the the, the Hessian abuses got so out of control. And so you can see, that's what you have here. You have the same thing, the same dynamic where you have these guys who think that they're the Gestapo, the bootlicker, uh, super army of the good, right? The super army of the good, like they can never, they're they're the ultra righteous. And if they get a judge's signature, they're going to roll up and shoot you. Right, and and it's all well and good for them, right? You know, so it's easy for them to justify what they're doing because their status, are absolute totalitarian status, and they uh, they want to wave a badge and think they have a right to. You know, they get a note from some deranged, lunatic, pedophile, sick fuck up in the White House, a like Biden, and they think they have the right to just roll all over you. And that's what the American people, the American people have to resist. We have to get upset. We have to recognize what's happening to our neighbors and what's likely going to happen to us. What's happening to the people that we've been looking to in our community. And listening to and the people, we, they're, they're demonstrating in their own lives how out of control the totalitarian statist monsters have become. And, the, and this is all on the backs of all of your children and unborn grandchildren. I mean, unless they get them into the schools where they can just convince them to just you know abort all their own children, and then you're not going to have a next generation, right? There's, then you're just going to lose the war of demographics right there when there's no new generation left to carry on. As We have for the last 10,000 years of human history, right? So it's important for us to recognize that the struggle for these new next generations for these young people is just it's astronomic the difficulty navigating and the complexity of the conflict that's coming at them. So we have to pray for them and support our kids as they go and try to get the future they expected to receive from their parents, and their grandparents, right, that they were told that is theirs, that they put their hand over their heart, do the pledge to the flag, and they, they have this idea in their mind, this ideal, the American ideal, right, it's in our children, as they struggle to do algebra and to do, work through their history classes and to do, to do their art projects, all the things that they're do, trying to do to try to become the next generation of Americans, and of course, the whole system of sycophants and Obama worshipers is there to try to find a way to just molest them, inculcate them with subversive Marxist ideas that will destroy the family and destroy their own culture. It's like punching a hole in your the, own ship as you're you know, going down in the ocean, right? Who, who would do that? But convincing people to do absurd things for absurd reasons is the whole point of the left and these extreme hyper-political Marxists. And so you can see that they're not done by a mile. And just the process of getting McCarthy out of the speaker's office has just brought a whole new level of difficulty and complexity to this struggle because now we have even a more difficult time getting a new speaker of the House and getting somebody else in there too that we can go in and check Biden and get the subpoenas rolling. So, of course, we had to do that, but it should have been done months ago. Letting it ride for another 90 days was just ridiculous. I guess those things are just the way things have to play out. So we have to get behind Matt Gates. We have to get behind because they'll try to set him up on ethics charges and run him out got to get behind Owen Schroer. We have to get behind the people that are obviously tangibly going to be in this fight, just like Steve Bannon, absurd ideas about ancient orthodoxies that are no longer relevant to, to God, in my opinion. But you know what? These individuals have been putting it all on the line to fight and to lead America into this, in this fight. So it's time for us to all get ready to be the next wave and to have to be the ones who are going to ultimately Stand up and vote, and insist that we are able to vote and put Trump in office, even though it's obviously the problem that is most significant on the on the horizon for these individuals. Why they're so terrified? Why they're trying so hard to to intimidate the American people with the last vestiges of their weakening and sickening and dying power? Right. So just as George Soros dies away, just like Daddy Bush did, all the just as Biden dies away, this, this old generation is going to die away, and we will be able to. The the young people, our young people, are going to be have an opportunity if they're living right with God and they fight hard. They're going to have an opportunity to take back their country and to reforge the American Constitution and the American Dream as it was originally fashioned, always to be.
3: Now, the amazing Jay Dyer and Skip both network breaks against his time back takes over.
4: Thank you, Alex. Uh, Yeah, I think it's helpful in the confusion and the madness of all what's going on uh, recently to step back and try to learn the big picture, the history of the present Israel-Palestine conflict. And to know this, to understand this, you really have to go back to the time of the British Empire. And if we understand that, then we'll have a better understanding of both sides of the issue and what each side, uh, both Israel and Palestine, have as their... legitimate disagreements and their complaints the media and i think uh the world would like this uh, the the elites would like this to be an either or situation where you immediately uh take a side and then get caught up in the issue of the time as part of dialectical manipulation and i think there is precedent for that there's a lot of reasons to believe that Uh, it could actually spark a a bigger world war we could be going into world war three and and A lot of uh, analysts, a lot of people have been thinking that, like Alex said earlier, it would be conflicts like uh, Russia and Ukraine, uh, like China and Taiwan, and like uh, perhaps uh, you know, North Korea or perhaps even uh, in the Middle East that would contribute to this larger World War, uh, World War Three. So how do we understand the history of this? How does this actually help us? Well, we have to go back to the British Empire and what we, what we call, uh, in many of our lectures, the Milner-Fabian circle. That's the circles that were running the British Empire under the, the mandate of Cecil Rhodes, who sets up the secret society, the society of the elect, according to Dr. Crow Quigley, that would run the inner party of the British Empire. They would have as their outer core uh, uh, several thousand academics or Oxford Cambridge, and then uh, Eastern U.S. establishment elites that would all make up together the Anglo-Americanist establishment. And it's true that um, in the background, a big player in this was uh, Lord Rothschild himself. He was the one that was really sort of setting the policy uh, for what Milner would do and what um, Cecil Rhodes would do uh, when they set up this, this inner structure of the British Empire. And they had an idea uh, for the Middle East that was not actually completely Zionist. A lot of people think that because Lord Balfour was uh, really working as Lord Rothschild's representative to set up the Balfour Declaration to help create the nation state of Israel, that this was completely one-sided. But actually, if you look at what Quigley says about this, this was a British imperial strategy of partitioning to control the region and to have kind of a uh, managed powder keg, so to speak, at least originally. Originally, the British thought we will have this as an outpost of the Anglo-American establishment and its empire. Imperial geopolitics demands that you divide and conquer in all of these regions. You go back to Caesar. You go back to the ancient empires. This was a strategy of how you ruled all of the different dominions is that you would keep managed conflicts and managed splits partitions in those regions. That way no one could ever align against the ruling elite. And this has worked very well for millennia. Humans are very easily ruled in this way. And because they don't consider even the possibility of higher level strategy strategists and elites ruling them in this way, uh they fall prey to being trapped in a very dialectical either or tribalist type of view. And unfortunately in the Middle East, the tribalism is um, in the extreme. In fact, the British Empire had many famous Arabists who themselves became enamored with Islam. And so it is wrong to think that the totality of the British power structure was completely aligned with or was totally uh, pro-Zionist. In fact, there was a giant portion of the British elite, even to this day still, who are very uh, pro-Arab and have a, a fascination with Islam and Arabic culture. In fact, King Charles himself was at one point inducted into a Sufi mystical order and has had a long-time fascination with Islam, to the degree that many think he might be even a uh, covert Muslim convert. Now, to be fair, in terms of King Charles, he's also done similar things with all the religions, so he seems to be a kind of a perennialist more so than a Muslim, but Sufism actually fits very well with perennialism. So... If we go back to what doctor Carol Kerr-Quigley says, writing from the archives of the Council of Formulation Relation and the the elite in their own history of the 20th century, he gives us a lot of uh, big uh, uh, bird's-eye view, God's-eye view perspective here, where he says that the origins of the mandate system of the British Empire were largely the results of the Milner Group, the Milner Society. What have I been talking about this whole time? He says that Palestine, this applied, this mandate applied to them as well as all the other mandates. Palestine, however, had a particular position among mandates because of the Balfour Declaration of 1917, which states that Britain would regard with favor the establishment of a national home for the Jews in Palestine. This declaration, which is known as Balfour, should rather be called the Milner Declaration, as it was Lord Milner and Lord Rothschild that were the real architects of this policy. This was not made public, however, until 1937. And then he goes on to say that this uh, draft was drawn up and the support for the British Empire here uh, for this partition, they thought would be of a tremendous advantage in the Middle East. And so initially uh, this uh, seemed to work. However, there was opposition as the Labor Party that came into power soon after that then would not allow any uh, Jews to, or very few Jews to actually go to Palestine. And so this uh, uh, notion of an outpost was not working very well because obviously this fostered a lot of contention with putting Jews into the region when there was existing Arab populations. And so the British elite were kind of split amongst themselves as to whether to favor the Arabs or whether to favor the the uh, the Jews in this region. At that time, uh, the Jewish uh, local government or control structure was known as the uh, Jewish Agency, and they were getting more and more tired of British rule. And so eventually what happens is they decide that they would like to be independent of Jewish or of British rule, and so uh, there's an interesting article in the history of this uh, that I wanted to reference. to so this is in the public academic uh, uh, text from the conversation, which is a public academic site. It's not controversial. It's about the history of of Britain uh, and their relationship to the founding of Israel, and it notes that. Before they, were, before they were Israel, the Jewish community of Palestine, known as the Yeshuv, had been British, Britain's closest junior partner. A dispute over British restrictions on Jewish immigration into Palestine began in 1939, and that was the result of the Labor Party's decision to limit that uh, immigration. And the reason for that, I think, is that the Labor Party was always very close to the Fabian Socialist movement, and the Fabian Socialists were always opposed to any forms of nationalism and they would have been uh, thus uh, against Jewish nationalism or against any uh, people group having a uh, a nationality because they were international socialists ultimately in their orientation, even though they had a progressive approach to the implementation of uh, Marxism, communism, and socialism. Uh, So then what happens is, with the rise of Hitler, which was actually fostered and funded by the the same elite power structure in the West that is funding and aiding the communists. And I'm going to read from uh, Quigley's uh, famous text here, Tragedy And Hope. He has a great section on 1059 where he says that by the summer of 1953, almost irresistible forces were building up against Mosaddegh. This is in regard to uh, Iran and the overthrow of Ahmed Mosaddegh by the CIA. The lack of Soviet interference gave the West full freedom of action. The British and the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company, which would later become BP, the World Petroleum Cartel, and the American government, and the older Iranian elite, led by the Shah, combined to crush Mosaddegh. The chief effort for this came from the American <clears throat> Intelligence Agency, the CIA, under the personal direction of its director, Alan Dulles, the brother of Secretary of State. Dulles was the former director of Schroeder Bank in New York. He was the old associate of Frank Tiark's Partner of the Schroeder Bank in London of 1902, and the director of the Bank of England from 1912 to 1945, as well as Lazard Brothers Bank and the Anglo Iranian Anglo-Iranian Oil Company. It will be recalled that Schroeder Bank in Cologne is who helped to arrange Hitler's accession to power as chancellor in 1933. Not only that, in quickly in two chapters on Britain's dual appeasement uh, strategy, they uh the, the british were secretly had a pact with hitler telling him that they would support him if he invaded poland and they were giving him tremendous amounts of money i think it was the, to the tune of a billion dollars at the time and so there's a dual policy where publicly the british were saying that we oppose hitler he's a monster secretly they were uh, allowing him goading him into telling him they would support him if he goes into poland and if he engages in this war so uh, that's relevant for today's discussion, because as Hitler made his moves, and Hitler did have an anti-Jewish policy, he did say, in fact, there are even uh, uh, discussions of this in the writings of Himmler as well, that Judaism has to be gotten rid of, because the god of the Old Testament, according to Himmler, for example, he says, is a monster. And so there's a Gnostic, a sort of uh, Marcionite philosophy in Himmler's theology, and so that was a motivating factor in this. And so Hitler did want to stamp out this ideology and this people group. And so this worked, though, however, for the formation of the, the, to help form the modern nation state of Israel, right? So Balfour Declaration is earlier on, and then by the 1930s, uh, when we have the beginnings of the rise of of, of Hitler, this is pushing then Jewish uh, uh, refugees to want to go to Palestine. And so you see that people are forced into these situations. It's not their fault. Ultimately, they're tools for the power elite on the grand chessboard. And so it's not an either or of one group shares all the blame versus the other group. Jews did want to flee from the persecution of Hitler. And so there was an agreement made, for example, uh, in 1933 between the Zionist Federation of Germany uh and the uh it's called the havara agreement and the the nazis to allow uh jews to leave uh, germany to go to palestine and so you see that it's actually this would have worked in the sense of uh if jews have been allowed to go there but when the jews go there they're then put into a powder keg situation where arabs don't want them there and originally the british empire supported the arabs because they were the existing people group there, against the uh, newly arrived Jewish refugees. So you can see how this is just a nightmare situation on both sides. And then it gets even crazier, because as we mentioned in the Conversation uh, uh, Academic Essay, Conversation is a website that has academic essays, it notes that after the Balfour Declaration and after this uh, powder keg and the anger of Jews at the British Empire for not letting Jews come, while they were also secretly supporting Hitler, you see. You see how this is causing the anger and the, the, geo, the, the British geopolitical strategies, which is not totally wedded to either Zionism or Arabs. It's trying to play both sides. The key point here, because maybe the American Empire tries to do the same thing. Playing both sides results in all of these destructive policies and these tragedies. So this partition, which was intended to be a, uh, a managed dialectic, is becoming a problem because now Jews are mad that the British Empire is not allowing the refugees to come. And there could have been various reasons why they wanted that. Maybe they wanted uh, more outrage. Maybe they wanted to use Jews as a tool to get international outrage to further the Second World War. Because we know the British elite and a lot of these uh, money makers, power players, corporations, they want to benefit from a second world war, and ultimately they want to create a world government, you see. So then, <clears throat> some of the forces within Israel decide that they've had enough of British rule. And so they decide that they want to start working against and fighting against uh, British rule. And so you, you get David Ben-Gurion and other figures within the Jewish militia at that time, known as the Haganah, or the Defense, who were auxiliaries to the British police, and army. Its intelligence service, called the Sheru uh, Hayediot, or the Shay, supported Britain in the war effort and cooperated in the suppression of anti-British Zionist terrorism, led by other future prime ministers, Menachem Begum and Yitzhak Shamir. Ben-Gurion then learned from a source in the cabinet that Britain would, would prevent Jews from entering Palestine. So you see how that's the thing that kicks this off. He then authorized secret cooperation between Haganah and organized crime groups known as the Irgun and the Stern Gang. So this would uh, kick off a bunch of attacks, militia, assassinations, bombing. The the Jews assassinated, I think, uh, a uh, a person from the UN and one of the British lords. And then you got the uh, King David Hotel bombing. And that led to the death of uh, 90 people, including uh, people from GCHQ, which is the British version of signals intelligence with the NSA. Um, And then, uh, oddly enough, deceptive intelligence was disseminated by none other than Kim Philby, the Soviet traitor to Britain, later unmasked to be a Soviet mole, who sent Palestine soft security and police officers to Beirut. Britain's poor security at its headquarters was thus compounded by the absence of those meant to interpret the warning's to intelligence. Terrorism thus destroyed part of Britain's top-secret intelligence service, and then you get you began to have the uh, uh, aligning of the establishment of the 1948, soon after that, or soon after these events, right, the 1948 establishment of the nation of Israel. But that's relevant as well because, the uh, in regard to Islam, because... Remember that Britain typically had uh, in their elite structure an equal uh, support for both the Arabs and the Jews because they wanted to manage both sides as part of imperial geopolitics. In fact, Quigley goes on to say that and I'll read, this is from uh, tragedy excuse me from Anglo-American establishment he notes about this time period that some amongst the uh, Milner group elites, were pro they were neither pro-Arab nor pro-Zionist, although many of them were supporting both the former and the latter. The group was never anti-Semitic, and not a shred of evidence in this direction was ever found. In fact, they were sympathetic to Jews and to their legitimate aspirations in terms of their faith, to overcome their faith. But this feeling, it must be confessed, was general. It was not personal, and it had to do with what he says is purely academic or, or imperial geo-strategy here. The feelings about uh, anti-Semitism anti-Semitism were actually remote and academic. On the other hand, most of the British upper class supported the Arabs. Many members of the elite uh, have been in Arab countries, were Arab ex- experts, Arabists, and many of them had in fact converted to Islam. Think of the character uh, W.T.E. Lawrence or the character of, I mean, I just mentioned Ken Philby. Ken Philby's dad, St. John Philby, converted to Islam because he was a British intelligence operative in the Middle East, and he helped to establish Saudi Arabia. So remember, most of the Middle East, as we know of it today, is a creation uh, of the British Empire. Whether it's Iraq, whether it's Pakistan, or whether it's the nation state of Israel, all of this was really established in terms of British imperial geopolitics. And so they wanted to manage both sides of this, T.E. St. John Philby, all these characters, and the Milner Fabian socialists, they again tended to favor Islam, and I'm going to talk about why they favored Islam here in a moment, uh, from Johan Ratiu's book on the history of Fabian socialism, because they saw Islam as a way to gradually bring into Europe and into the entire West an internationalist order. Don't go anywhere, this is the oxygen we're covering the history of the uh, Israel-Palestine conflict. Welcome back to the guests. Guest We're going into the very complex, very difficult, no easy answers history of the Arab Palestine, the Jewish Palestine conflict. And we were talking about the establishing of the uh, modern nation state of Israel in 1948. Interestingly, not too long after that, one of the Nazi collaborator figures, known as the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, a position completely invented by the British Empire. And in fact, uh, the Grand Mufti himself was a British intelligence operative, then claimed, <laughs> remember he was a Nazi collaborator, um, British intelligence operative, then he proclaimed that there would be an Arab government of all Palestine, again further in uh, uh, provoking the flames here. And again, that just shows that the motivations were, on the part of the British Empire, uh, pure imperial geopolitics had nothing to do with necessarily favoring uh, some people group over another people group. British efforts to invoke the 1936 alliance with Egypt and to justify British military action against Israel were blocked by Egypt's refusal to allow public display of Egypt's helplessness. Five British planes were attacked and shot down in 1949 by Israel, and this led to Britain's de facto recognition of Israel as a nation-state. And part of the reason that Britain wanted to do that was to try to maintain imperial power uh, versus other rivals and, and versus other um, groups Britain was was Britain felt like if they could maintain Muslim support if they could control uh, areas like Mecca as part of their old geopolitical strategy they could sway the Islamic world uh, uh, into favor with the British Empire or they could c- to try to manage it or control it and so as they failed in these endeavors, um, you can see how their manipulation strategy was more and more transparent to, to, to history as history progresses. In fact, it gets even uh, more hairy and confusing when you look at the fact that after uh, World War II, some of the most famous of the uh, SS individuals—this is these are uh, articles that are still public on Peretz, the strange case of the Nazi who became the Israeli hitman. Otto Skorzeny was one of uh, Mossad's most valuable assets, but was in fact a former lieutenant colonel in the Waffen SS and was one of Hitler's favorites. And that's because it's not just Otto Skorzeny, but it's also the figure of uh, uh, Reinhard Galen, who actually also helped out in Israel's Six-Day War. It was Galen who was, was now that he worked with the CIA, uh, aiding and and and, and uh, contributing intelligence uh, work and giving tips off to uh, to the Mossad during that uh, conflict, as well as as uh, Squarzani, because Galen, as the former uh, ger- uh, general uh, to Hitler, had a vast intelligence network throughout all of Europe. And when the Nazis lost the war, the CIA came to Galen and said, "If you hand over your intelligence network to us." Uh, you can maintain your freedom. In fact, we'll put you as the head of the new BND, German Intelligence. So as the head of the BND, he was now aiding and working with the Mossad. So you understand that that helps explain why you can have things like the uh, former SS guy in Canada being cheered on by the West, because the West has for a long time worked with these people, as have groups in Israel. And that's why it's a... If you know the inner, deeper history in geopolitics, it's not surprising that Hamas was a creation of the West. In fact, Ron Paul, the clip of Ron Paul saying this is still going around on on Twitter. I played it the other day, uh, right? And, and he was just years ago talking about how we, we helped, much like the British Empire caused a lot of this at the time, we helped foster this, this conflict by sending aid and money to both sides of the conflict. And some of that's done secretly and covertly. In fact, Hamas uh, was created out of the Muslim Brotherhood, which was an old British intelligence controlled Islamic network. In fact, British intelligence and and their agents helped to set up the Muslim Brotherhood, famously. And they were out of that, is partly where you get Hamas. There's also uh, the CIA, British intelligence, uh, and Mossad as well, uh, helped to work with the establishment of Hamas. And so that might explain partly why some of this intelligence was ignored when uh, Israel was warned by uh, Egypt and other places that there might be a coming attack. I mean, that's speculation, but uh, we know that a lot of this is not like, uh, you know, Israeli intelligence didn't know uh, what was going on or, or what the opposition was up to. So it's really odd because, you know, when somebody comes out and tries to say something with sanity, in fact, Gal Gadot, who used to be in the IDF, she was getting attacked by both sides because she said something about how, you know, she wished that there could be peace and that Jews have a right to exist and that also that the neighbors next door should also be allowed to exist. It's odd because, I mean, she was in the IDF. Surely she would have some knowledge of this situation, right? (laughs) What did she know about it, (laughs) being a former IDF uh, Soldier, I mean, I think that people in those situations kind of see it close, uh, up close and they understand that it's complex. It's not a, it's not an easy either or, but the media, uh, the elites, they always want everybody to really get wrapped up in some either or. And people don't know the history and they don't know either side of this and the contentions that, that both sides have. And so I think it's important to to know this and to understand that the old strategy was to play both sides. And I, I think, I mean, I don't have exact proof of this, but when I hear about, you know, the U.S. money, especially the Democratic Party that that tends to favor working with Iran uh, and the money that's sent to them, um, some of that could, I mean, it's is speculation, but I think it goes back to the overthrow of the Shah uh, and, excuse me, the overthrow of Mosaddegh of of installation of the Shah and then also the CIA helping to make backdoor deals with The Ayatollah, which Alex has talked about, and that had to do with Iran-Contra, it had to do with actually still continuing to arm Iran, even under the Ayatollahs, and again, backdoor deals under the Reagan era. But it also relates to something that few know about, which is Iran's involvement in the international drug trade. That's a big part of this. It's not just oil, it's also uh, drugs and opium. And uh, according to Dr. John Coleman, former British intelligence uh, writer, the Ayatollahs uh, covertly gave the okay to allow a lot of opium and drugs to be uh, sold and shipped via Iran, and so so there's there's a lot going on that people don't know about, and thus there could be backdoor deals that are made with uh, Iran on the part of the democratic establishment. Uh, neocons, of course, don't typically want to do that; they want to bomb Iran, which again could spark World War III. But. Uh, You know, again, the point is that all of this is complex. There's no easy answers. There's no simple solutions to this because it goes back to old uh, uh, imperial geopolitics. And so now that we're under the American empire and the breakdown of the American empire and the meaningless liberalism that we've adopted, right? I mean, it really, none of this makes any sense now that the, I mean, what does the American empire stand for? If these conflicts continue, and if our borders open and the country begins more and more to collapse and have economic uh, uh, catastrophes, which is very likely, what are we actually fighting for? Are we just fighting to uh, extend gay rights in other countries of, so that everybody can have Coke and Pepsi and Subway and abortion? Is that is that what we're going in all the other countries for? And if people are figuring out that all of the foreign aid and all the, all these foreign interventions is ruining our own country as our country itself collapses. And so we're told all day long that it's bad to have borders, it's bad to have guns, but we got to defend every other country's borders and send every other country billions of dollars of weapons and guns. And all the citizens now need to be armed. But Americans can't be armed because that's... Uh, racist. I mean, everybody has figured this out, that it's completely hypocritical, and it makes no sense. It does make sense, however, if the goal is to actually weaken and destroy America, because the long-term goal is to bring all of the countries into a single global order out of all of this chaos, and that's precisely what the global elite have said is their goal. Whether this is, in, is going to be World War III, I don't know, but it certainly could turn into that and some of the theorists as we said believe that out of world war three you would get a lot of death destruction and chaos but you would get the synthesis of you know uh russia china the muslim world versus the west out of this synthesis you would get the future technocratic world order the davos plan the global you know one world order one Religion plan could come out of this synthesis of East versus West, but that's the key thing here, and that's what uh, uh, you know. One of the figures that plays into this, who was involved in some of these uh, Israeli operations at that time, Bernard Lewis, is the father of neoconservatism. And uh, Bernard Lewis, if I recall, taught Samuel P. Huntington, who wrote *Clash of Civilizations*. And Huntington talks about basically this idea that the the West would clash against the Islamic world. And there's a lot of different theories and scenarios as to how that might happen and what the result exactly might be, but the overall result would be a new kind of order out of that, a new world order out of dialectical manipulation and synthesis. It sounds like everything that you've heard me talking about. Now, for the idea that, oh, well, this, this is only a uh, Jewish power block issue, remember that the Milner-Fabian circles have always supported and aided and promoted Uh, Muslim causes? Why would they intentionally, constantly promote Muslim and Islamic causes in this regard? Well, according to uh, Yohan Rattu in his whole chapter about the Islamization of Britain, you can see in a microcosm what their plan was and the idea was that through early on in the early 1900s the importation of Sufi Islam because it's ecumenist and because it's kind of open to a lot of different mystical practices and whatnot, Sufi Islam is a way to soften up a society for the later importation of more um, fundamentalist versions or serious versions of Islam. And so the Fabians and the the Fabian social circles of uh, uh, the Milner group, that was their overriding political ideology and strategy. They were fine with Bringing in these figures and these characters and the promotion of the Islamic revival at Oxford and Cambridge uh, in the 19 teens, 20s, 30s, and 40s, and this continued all the way up until today, which is precisely why England is Londonistan. When you go to London, it is uh, Muslim. Ever I've been, I went to a few years ago and did a lecture there, and it's uh, you know it's Islamic now. Is this just all accident? No, no, it's not accident because it's actually the uh, Fabian strategy. As they themselves said, they would Islamicize England first and then the rest of Europe. That was their plan to share. They wrote about it. In fact, the original Fabians were uh, either atheists or Christian socialists, and thus they had a very soft spot for Islam. And they thought that because of Islam's universal brotherhood teaching that it could be a tool for global domination. It might even be a potential future world government from their vantage point. H.G. Wells praised Islam in his book, A Short History of the World. George Bernard Shaw said that Muhammad was the greatest Protestant religious force in the world, like a George Fox or a John Wesley. Other leading Fabians were apologists for Islam, like Witch Annie Besant and like Bertrand Russell. This is known as the Fabian window, which carried, well, I, the Fabian window, which is that famous window, glass window, carried the, the motto, remolding the world according to the heart's desire. The Fabian socialist model to remold the world is taken from a Muslim poem from, by Omar Khayyam. Khayyam was in vogue amongst the progressive liberal faction of the British elites. And thus, uh, what's significant about him is that he was believed to be a follower of a kind of Sufism, and that Sufism would, for many uh, British elites, serve as the instrument for softening up non-Muslim populations to the later penetration of real Islam. Because it was mystical, it could appear to work together with other uh, religions in the society, and it also overlapped with socialism. Uh, Gurdjieff's New Age philosophy, Freemasonry, and Theosophy. So Sufism, which then got more and more into vogue, and keep in mind Prince Charles was initiated into a Sufi order. They uh, more and more brought in entities, groups, and and academics to teach and push Islam throughout England. And I'll tell you some of these figures. Yeah, the figure of at Cambridge, <clears throat> you had the promotion of a guy named Muhammad Iqbal, a lawyer who combined the teachings of uh, Sufi poet Rumi with Islamic revivalism in the 1930s. Iqbal pioneered the idea of a Muslim state in the 1930s and collaborated with the Fabian socialist leaders, including people like Muhammad al Jinnah in the creation of Pakistan. Sufism and Islam were also promoted by <clears throat> uh, various disciples of these characters at. The University of London. Uh, Andy Besant was busy preaching theosophy and various brands of reformed Islam as they were being per, uh, uh, planted throughout England. In 1913, another lawyer uh, from India named Kamal Uddin was established in the Woking Muslim Mission. Many British, including Lord Headley, wrote a Western Awakening to Islam book in 1914, which was very popular. In 1916, the London Sufi Order of the West was founded by Indian Hazrat Inyat Khan, who taught that the Prophet Muhammad brought the, democracy, the message of democracy to the world. H.C. Wells could not have said it better, according to Raju. Following the footsteps of Khan, Idris Shah was the chief architect of Sufi the deception in Britain and elsewhere. He started Octagon Press in 1960 and a foundation called the Institute for Cultural Research, the ICR, This allowed for the publication and progress of Sufism throughout England, as well as eventually Prince Charles's overt support for Islam, which began in the 1980s. And this then led to the Labour Party and their policy of open borders to bring in more and more Muslims. Again, why? Because Labour and their Fabian socialist origins have always favored the destruction of the nation-state to bring in the technocratic order. And so you can see that, obviously, they're not going to be pro-Israel or side with Israel. That's why you, f- you find a tendency amongst the left and communist socialists to support Palestine. That does not mean that everybody in Palestine is communist socialist. so don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that. Many people in Palestine uh, are Orthodox Christians, for example. So Sufi Sufi Neoplatonism is a crucial element of the uh, perennialism and the ecumenism that is able to then change an existing culture, not just demographically, but also ideologically and religiously. So this is why Sufism is a good tool for that. And that's exactly what happened in, in the UK. It began with those kind of new agey mystical groups, and then now it's completely overrun, in London and in England throughout the UK with Muslims of all variety. And that, again, I think plays into this shock strategy of tension model, which is to do this on purpose. An angrier world, why? Well, that's just what Brzezinski talked about a long time ago when the uh, strategy of the CIA was to arm and fund the Taliban, the Mujahideen and so forth in Operation Cyclone uh, and even earlier than that. So you can see that uh, it's it's a way to exploit the clash of civilizations model. And ultimately, the idea here is to destroy Christianity and the West. And perhaps some of the other uh, entities will be destroyed in the process, right? Maybe Islam versus the West could result in some sort of mass destruction. Who knows? But um, the reality is that the power elite are not actually against either of these groups in the long run. People are used as chess pieces on the chessboard if that makes sense and uh, so if that if, if you if we grasp this we begin to understand that that it's a bigger picture than just choosing a side right away and so uh, I wanted to point out quickly says also that the Brit some of the British for example in the support of Israel thought that you could have a Western outpost not just for the point of geostrategy and you know Oil and stuff like that later on, but some thought that maybe they could introduce democracy to the Middle East, and that this would then heal the tribalism and the the, the ancient you know warfare in the Middle East that's been there for millennia. But this didn't work out because it's it's just this bizarre, silly notion. I don't think that at the top the the real power elite cared about this, but some of the more uh, academic intelligentsia people in the U.S. and in the U.K probably thought that, oh, if we just export democracy to all these places, then they'll see that science and technology and having running water and having, you know, refrigerators and iPads or whatever, they'll prefer that to the sort of tribal warfare and the regressive third world status that some of these places have remained in. But that doesn't work typically, right? Not every country wants the exportation of democracy. And ultimately, it's not about the exportation of democracy. I think everybody who's somewhat sophisticated knows this. It's about control, right? Democracy is not actually a thing that's exported to help people. That is a front, it's a cloak for uh, exporting and expanding the Atlanticist empire. And that's what even Brzezinski said. Brzezinski says, Kissinger say, America is the successor to the British empire. It's just another type of imperial control strategy. The poverty, chaos, disunity of the Arab world were a consequence of the organizational and moral factors rather than of the objective obstacles, especially in the case of Israel. This is Dr. Gerald Quigley. It was less than 8,000 square miles with no significant resources and hampered by endless obstacles. The Zionist movement was constructed, has constructed the strongest, most stable, progressive and democratic hopeful state in the Near East. Quigley's writing this in the 1960s about where things were at that time. This was possible because of the morale of the Israelis, which was based on outlooks antithetical to the outlooks of the Arabs. The Israelis were full of self sacrifice and discipline, social solidarity, and readiness to work and cooperate with open hopes for their future. This ideology was largely Western, with a devotion to the notions of science, democracy, individuality, technology, and so forth. And these were anathema to the Arabs of that time, whose Hysterical views and their hatred were not really handed the loss of Palestine, but the presence of the Israelis, whose qualities were a reputation of the generations of Arab self-deception and pretenses. So, clearly Quigley, Quigley thinks that the nation state of Israel represented Western democracy and that the older Arab models were a regressive approach. This precarious balance that the British tried to keep in Palestine between the promises to the Zionists and to their efforts to placate the Arabs was destroyed by Hitler's determination to annihilate Jews in Europe and the conditions of World War II, which made it seem that he would be successful. So you see how complex this is. And remember, the British elite are also, at the same time, according to Quigley, supporting Hitler. So they're always trying to play both sides. And that's why This ultimately results in all kinds of chaos and destruction. The Jews, their supporters, and allies tried to smuggle in Jews that could be saved from Europe. Since there was nowhere else that they could go, many were smuggled into Palestine. British efforts to prevent this in fulfillment of their obligations to the Arabs under the League of Nations mandate led to the guerrilla warfare tactics between Jews and British. That's the ben gurion uh, Irgun battles that we were talking about a minute ago. The Arabs were attacking the former intermittently, and this problem reached the acute form with the conquest of Germany, opening the doors for the survival of the Jews to escape from the horrors of Nazism. In 1945, President Truman asked the British permission to admit 100,000 European Jews into Palestine, but these requests were ignored by the labor government, you see. Ignoring such permission, large-scale efforts were made to smuggle the Jews into Palestine. That then led to uh, more Arab anger at Jews coming into Palestine. And so all of this had to do with, again, the UK mandate, and then the uprising of the Jews against the British, their Haganah, which then eventually becomes the army of Israel as we know it today, I think. So you see how difficult this is. It's not. There's no simple solutions to a situation where people have been on both sides there for a while. And so it's not no Jew that lives there today, it's not their fault that they're there, right? And the Arabs that were there, that were there before the Jews were put there, it's not the Jews' fault that they were put there. They were allowed to go there via the Balfour Declaration and then through machinations in Europe that forced them to go there. And also there was laws that were in place that didn't allow them to go there when they wanted to go there. You see how complicated this gets. And also the British elites were continuing to support the Arab side as well through the higher level elites of the Fabian socialist circles, which supported and still support today both sides of it in our government, our power structure, as we see with the money given to Iran. So you see how this continued, the the geostrategy of the imperium continues on today, so it's no easy issue.
2: So more and more I feel, you know, the the benefits and the and kind of reinvigorating therapy of this kind of new podcast generation that we're in where we can listen to so much information that in- individuals have to discover and bring forward in so many different ways. And it's kind of like with this new these new technological platforms, it's it's kind of like going to college in this learning process and continuing education um times a thousand, right? And we can specialize our and hone our ability to learn more and more, even to the extent that you know we were so restricted before on uh, with cell phone usage as uh, developing nations. And there was a time, if you go back, I'm old enough to remember when people had to, if they wanted to have a cell phone at work, it was an expense that the uh, the employer, if your job, you know, was requiring it. Necessitating the the use of an expensive cellular device because you were an investigator or you were a doctor or you know some important professional trade expertise that required you to have a cell phone and it was something that was afforded to you or and now everyone has their own cell phone so this kind of idea of an employer supplying a phone to you is kind of moot and that, that's just the, the fast changing world and the development of innovation and technology that we're we're seeing change our world not just kind of like a small Anecdotal point, but the extent to which technology is changing our world and and speeding us up and causing us to have all the have all this information at our disposal and all these, you know, the ability to map out everywhere we go. And so you can see the remarkable advancement of this technology allows us to communicate at such a high rate of speed and refine the our search for knowledge and for information down to like a very, very fine edge. So that we're—it's easier and easier now for us to to discover more and more about our world. That's—it's—it's it's, it's seemingly transformative. It's—it's it's wonderful. And it, you know, there's just so many hours in the day that we can, you know, and what's going on with Twitter is a, is a remarkable Twitter X is a remarkable revolution because there's no longer carefully parsed streams of information for these people and carefully crafted narrative streams of information for these people and and carefully interwoven political dialectic propaganda warfare taking place, like kind of how it was before when Twitter would just block every single idea that it didn't like and it would just turn up the frequency of all the ideas that it thinks are wonderful, like transgen... So, so suffice to say that we're at this point in time in human development and I think all the the elite globalists and technocrats and the uh, the, the New World Order new generation, highly advanced Illuminati patriarchy, right? The heritage, the heritage of the old school power elite and power structure that have just been winning uh, and and creating monopoly capitalists and creating overlords and and princes and dukes, right? That's what it's all about, creating a new aristocracy, a new ruling class here in America. That's what a lot of the, the banking elite did in London is pick winners over here to build up. That's why you have these Huge titans like Rockefeller and Vanderbilt and Morgan, right, J.P. Morgan. You know, just, just to say names of individuals who were ultimately built. So people like to imagine that these guys pulled themselves up by the bootstraps. They built a new America out of scratch. They gave us all these power lines and railroad tracks, and we ought to thank them. But the truth is is that all those things were done by the financiers behind them that created them to be the huge it's like multiplying agents, right? It's, it's it's the agency of multiplying one's own force. So it's a force multiplier. When you have these banking elite that just build up these industrial financiers, that's everything to do with what we we're talking about in other episodes as far as the skull and bones been. It's the process of taking control of the power structure with the the old guard, nobility and royal families, all the, the royal bloodlines of Europe, have a vested interest in maintaining their titular heritage and their, their nobility and their right to rule over the commoners and their control of the emerald mines, you know, control, or their control of the... What is it? With Queen Beatrix and her son taken over there in the Netherlands. Like, the control of the, the oil fields. Whatever these royals are controlling in the world all to themselves by divine right that it's always been ours. And all around the barbed wire gates outside... Wherever these facilities are at, Colombia, Eritrea, right? And anywhere in the world, just wherever they've built, in Saudi Arabia, wherever they've built their massive pump systems or their massive industrial infrastructure that pumps out the wealth out of the ground or digs it out of the ground or the cobalt mining. China, China, they just lately, they've just been using little uh, five-year-olds with plastic buckets. you think they're on their way to the build a sandcastle at the beach, but no, they're going to go dig down in the dirt and find some cobalt. So, the, the, the CCP is in that case the sovereignty, right? The, the nobility uh, going and about to get everyone to do what they say and to, to go and dig in the dirt, boy, and get that cobalt, get that lithium, dig it out, get your little pennant, your pence, your sixpence you're gonna get for working down there, boy, right? That's what, that's what we all are. Well, the world has become their global plantation, and we're to respect their rules and their nobility, seem up there in their high towers. And their bulletproof limousines and everything and their choppers flying over, over you know as the technology advances they're riding it about going into orbit with their shuttles and all the stuff that these wealthy people like to do and they are a breakaway society they are a, a breakaway civilization a whole another race and they've built a system that parasitically sucks the juice and life and energy out of us the working poor as we have to run in the wheel we run in the wheel and uh, in order to maintain our status quo in our, our lives, we have to run faster and faster. When I see everyone out there rushing, the dollar value goes down. It becomes worth less. The buying power goes down. And the, the things that you can buy with that dollar become less and less, right? Now, we can't even have a dollar general anymore. Come on, let's get over that. It's the, it, we'll have to call it the $5 bill general, right? Because it's over. The dollar's done. The dollar's worth a penny. You know, what can you even buy with a dollar, right? When you were a kid, like, what could you even buy in the store with a nickel, Nothing like a gumdrop or something, right? Now, now, what are you gonna, right? Come on, guys, pay attention here. So everyone is driving around in their cars, buying the gas that's going up in price with a dollar that's going down in value, and we're and we're driving faster and faster and faster because we got to get there quick because we got to hurry up because we're running in our fucking wheel, running, 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 running in the wheel like rats. Because the elites, they have to get up every day and they, you know chart a golf course, ride across the golf course, and have caviar. No pressure, right? The pressure is down. The shit flows downhill. The pressure's on the, the people here, not just because we are laboring to execute our job, but we have to pay for the privilege of using their financial instrument, which is the Federal Reserve note, not on an American United States dollar anymore. We have a private banking reserve, a private banking monopoly, private banking enterprise that's running our national currency and our national money program. Okay, that's the problem we have. It's like having Microsoft... Take over all the computers at NSA and run them. You know, you can see the problem. There could be a problem there. <laughs> and so the Federal Reserve, you know, it's it, just like I so said, we had a, a Federal Microsoft Reserve, right? A Federal Microsoft Reserve, and their job was to control and run all the computers in the White House and in the NSA and the FBI, and, and do it fairly and not to tilt the playing field. It's the same thing we'd have with the Federal Reserve System. It's just it's just a private company, a private bank in London with Class A stockholders that are private, anonymous, that represent corporations. Individuals like Chase Manhattan Bank, right? The big, the big massive banking elite and cartel family dynasties that were built up by London are now the, uh, the 24 banks or whatever they like to say. They're, they're all 24 banks that are all controlled by by one bank, by one interest. And so, as we go down, as we go into debt as a people, as a nation, we have to pay back this borrowed money. And when people say that and they, they can't round, they're like, well, how, if that's the case, if that's, if that's really the case, then how, how are we surviving as a nation? How, how is anything even working? How, how do prices even work at all? That's what. And so, the full manifestation of the plot and the, the total takedown of America. Is becoming clear. And that's that's why I have to be so hard on individuals like Steve Bannon, because we can really can't, as the American people, really, we can't trust anyone. There's been too many betrayers. There's been too many systematic program of lies coming out of these institutions, coming out of these think tanks of these federal bureaucracies and intelligence agencies on every level, murdering our president's manipulating the political will of the people and stealing elections. You just, I could go on and on for, for 10 minutes. Everyone knows what the problem is. Everyone has a different approach to try to list the list of 10,000 things that are, that are taking down America, that, are, that we have as a problem here in America. But we as the American people, whether they take us down or not, we're going to wake up ultimately to the fact of what's going on and have to make decisions. And so as a people, we have to recognize now when the time of the visitation of our God is near. And when, when the moment to, to have a change of heart and to start to recognize the seriousness of what it can mean, if you're, if you're out at sea on your, your yacht or your cruise ship, and it just starts to take on water very fast, and starts to go down right into the water and all your things are starting to float and you're just going right into this disaster. What it means and like, how, you know, how unsurvivable, how survivable, what, what are, what, what is it, what is the reality check? Of what is really going on here in our nation and that we're facing as a people? When does it become time ultimately to just have a really serious, earnest, introspective, you know, personal meditation and, and discussion with your family and, and with your with your loved ones and the people around you who you trust? And then how does that how do you get that circle of awareness and concern to begin to grow past just yourselves and the people who you know who are around you who just don't know how to talk about it, that they don't know how to describe. The world seems to be carrying on. Planes are flying overhead. Buses are zooming around. Cars are going back and forth. It appears, with you know, if, if, if you weren't looking carefully, that everything is just normal. Most likely, people on a, on a, on a large scale are just going to take their financial distress personally. And they're not going to be able to see how systemic and all engrossing the financial collapse that we're facing here in America is. And we're talking about politics. We're talking about all these different things around the world. Our enemies are gathering to prepare a, a new currency because we obviously are not able to mentally, emotionally adjust to the fact that ours is gone and it's collapsing. We have the disaster that took place in Hawaii, which our, our hold on Hawaii as a nation was, uh, you know, at the apex of our American power when we have the ability to project power and to like maintain that place and keep that 50th, 50th star on the flag. But I'm pretty sure, like we said before, you can just go ahead and peel it off. You can just peel that star off. we got 49 states. And, and that state out there of Hawaii is, it no longer belongs to the United States of America. It belongs to the World Economic Forum, the Chinese Communist Party. It belongs to the, the New World Order. They obviously took that back. And America has no language, no words, no ability to articulate or see the truth reflected back to them in the media. Just a whole bunch of, of carefully crafted narrative, propaganda narratives. They're there to just spin you out and keep you deceived. Really well-educated Journalists are going to go on there and and I don't know what they're talking about. Just straight face lies or straight face deception, total programmed deception there to just make sure that you do not understand what's going on there out there. And you're to consider that to be whatever happened in Maui or whatever happened in Paradise, California. Whatever strange fires were choking up the entire city of New York City with a huge plume of smoke for days. Like whatever that was all about, you're not to think about it. It's just a conspiracy theory. Don't think about direct energy weapons. Don't think about uh, satellites and space overhead being used in a corporate fashion. Don't, just do not think your thoughts, right? That's what we're, that's what we're at. You're not allowed to. It's it, you. You are to, to go to work. Try to get your Federal Reserve notes. Stay down in the, in the low level dialectic where you push the red or blue, or blue or red, which red or blue. You, that's that's you. You stay right in there. You stay bonkered back back and forth between red blue, red blue, Democrat Republican. You don't think about what's really going on above your uh, your intellectual pay grade, buddy. You stay down there. You wear your Trump hat You're, or, and the people I don't see very many Biden stickers anymore. What happened to all that Biden pride? You got a few like really degenerate reprobate pigs out there standing by Biden and he's been fully exposed and embarrassed as to what he is. He's a total pig. And, uh, now it's just being corralled over, like we always say to the reactionary right wing extremism and radicalism of the right paradigm, the new right that's being built up, uh, you know, and it, If you don't vote for Trump, with the information that we have, with the picture as it's being presented to us, right, with the political dialectic situated as it is, you can't vote for Biden. He's a complete criminal, degenerate, reprobate pig, right, (laughs) who got his kids on crack and was Doing sexual things to his kids in the shower. I mean, it makes us all vomit in our mouth. It's just like the worst possible thing you could ever hear. It's almost, you know, for a lot of people, it's probably unbelievable. It just can't be true, right? Because we're all working so hard to run in our little wheel and to to care for our families. And they're over there. They're full on with the transgender thing. Like, take your kids in the fourth grade and we're going to get them neutered. We're going to get them turned into a little girl. We're going to turn Jimmy into Janie and uh, everything. And that's that's what the program is here, guys. It's a program of total annihilation. And so at this point, I think it's healthy for me as I go down over time and begin to like point out how in danger America is just so I'm doing my duty. So you can't say that no one was saying anything. There was no warning. No one came out and said, stop, you know, don't go any further in this direction. No one, like, you know, no one can say that the warning signs weren't there because they are, they're here. All the red lights are blinking and everyone is telling these degenerate brainwashed fools to come back from the edge the technocratic dream utopia that they're trying to build is not going to happen the way they want. The brain chips interface and in your brain is not going to work out the way you want it to. The ability to human human to integrate human genome and human living tissue into integrated circuit boards and turn humans into cyborgs and none of that's going to happen the way you want it to. You're not going to be able to mark the people the way you want them to. you're not going to be able to bring the people into a totalitarian, complete dictatorship where you're going to like bring everyone into this crystallization of a digital prison and a digital ID and f- control people's lives like that. None of that's going to work. None of that is going to work. The the attempt to try to like depopulate, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I mean, can these guys get together and try to kill a bunch of people? Yeah, they can do, they can do that. They can kill a bunch of people. Do they have the ability to uh, cut down forests with their advanced lasers? And do they have the ability to have lasers on satellites that could start fires and and microwave people to death on Maui? Of course, they totally got all that. They got it. It's just about breaking down our resistance. It's it's about breaking down the human will to freedom and to be at at liberty. You know, just what the American Constitution says. That's why the documents are so perfectly preserved in time as the ultimate elevation, the ultimate height of human philosophy and intellectual development and human liberation and the beginning of an all-time end to slavery are in those documents all right so the, the fight to end slavery carries on today it carried on in the 1860s and it carries on today so th- that's what this fight is all about it's about total slavery it's about the return of slavery it's about understanding what is slavery and, and tyranny what is it it's about understanding how to put your own life in the balance and weighed against this fight that we need to undertake for our lives and for our f- future or any possible future of freedom. And so you can see that the digitalization of everything leads the, to, in part and parcel, to the program, to climate change, climate control, and use the environmentalist doctrine to ultimately root us out and and empty out the tenants out of their, the tenements, out of the tenancy right? Ultimately to empty the people out of their their living situation that they have here in America and to, to be a great leveler to level America down to every other poor standard that everyone else, you're not going to be able to bring the world up to, you know, having lattes at Starbucks and highly refined industrial society, the highest per capita wealth and income in the world. You're not going to be able to bring the world up to that standard, but you can just bring America down. That's the plan. So for all of us, you know, white racist haters over here, are colonials, right? The the colonialists. We shouldn't even be. We took the the land from the Indians. We shouldn't even be here in America. Our ancestors are are stealing the land. You know, like if you want to go all into the ultra leftist narrative, and these are people who are ultimately fitting that description, uh, and and are going to talk themselves out of their own inheritance here in America and give it away to you know whatever doctrine comes up, whatever Marxist ideology comes up that they need to bow down and kiss the boot of it, literally bootlicking whatever ideology comes up next. Uh, these people will do whatever it takes. They'll do whatever it takes to give away their inheritance and your inheritance and to, and to end whitey, end whiteness, you know, whatever, whatever that is, whatever white and black means, right? That, that's the paradigm. That's the, that's the totally controlled diametric opposition this black and white paradigm brings us into because we're not blacks and whites. You're not blacks and whites and we're not blacks and whites. We're just some people who have inherited different, uh, you know, genetic traits from our ancestors from all around the world. And uh, there's some people who live in a little Indonesian village somewhere and they they'll see their little Indonesian neighbors and they'll probably never see a black man in their life or a white man. You know, they just might maybe in a magazine clipping or a brochure. But, you know, there's part, poor parts of the world that are just totally separated from the the actual core of this elite cybernetic totalitarian technocracy that they're trying to create. Right. There's those little Amazonian tribesmen down there in the Amazon are just sitting over there making baskets down by the river. And they're not worried about 5G cell phone, COVID-19 uh, particles, you know, nanotechnology. You're right. They're not worried about, they're not thinking about any of that stuff, guys. And so that's where we need to remember where the edge of your cell phone, have you ever driven out into the country far enough where your cell phone service dies? Well, that's the edge of their power. That's the edge and the limitations of their ability to control us. And they're trying to extend that, that zone of control and total ubiquitous technological force field a fascism, right, that they're trying to descend on. They're trying to extend that everywhere. They, they would love to put it right over the Amazonian tribesmen's heads, whether they're down there making baskets. And, and more to the point, they would rather have us all, all of us, down at the river making baskets, too, while they, they get the Wi-Fi password, right? They get the Wi-Fi co- uh, passcode, and none of us, we don't need it. we just just making baskets. We just uh, live in a little hut right? That, that's, that's the program. The highways will be much cleaner when, and and everything will be much better when only 3% of the populace can even afford to drive. So if you're driving around in a car, it's because you're super rich. Now everyone has a car, but pretty soon I'd say in about 24 months, things are going to change. Things are going to change very drastically, very hard guys. This is going to be a hard term. We're going from the soft tyranny into hard tyranny. And you have to understand what's really going on here is that people are ultimately losing their souls they're laying their their chips on the table of the roulette wheel and the ball is going to spin and we're going to have winners and losers here guys and it, you know of course you can see that they think that they're going to ultimately just delete us and we have totally gone completely bankrupt and we are we have no more collateral left except for our own biological property our own person right we've lost everything we lost all the gold and silver we had as a nation in circulation In Fort Knox, it's empty. I mean, do your research. There's no more gold, right? The people that we owed it to, they came and collected that because we owed it to them. That's how that works. Then it comes down to this fiat currency. We just did borrowed money and now we blew that. Now we have 30 trillion in borrowed money and we have no gold of our own. You know, there's nothing to fall back on. The, the, The nation is totally routed. So when you see these people threatening our farms, threatening our cities, threatening our way of life, threatening to redo our entire civilization into some kind of smart city. Like they're not kidding because we are now indebted to them. They own us. Everything that you bought with your credit card and your little rented apartment, they own that. As you try to pay it back, you, you they lent the money to you for you to own everything you have. So that's what they mean when they say you own nothing. It's because you own nothing now and you have no rights to anything. And these bankers can change the interest rates and they can, they can adjust everything to just completely decimate you, your family, and put you on the sidewalk put you in the poor house. And that's what the, the great depression part two, it's coming. It's coming. I mean, I don't understand what is wrong with the, the, uh, the people out here they don't seem to understand how precious it is. You need to stockpile, you know, it, we need to go into survival mode. You need to go ahead and get what you need now to take care of yourself. You need to be, get on that prepper kick, you know, what, you know, on one one track, why everything is normal, everything is good. Why isn't your entire prepper gear already hooked up and ready to go? That's, that's what I'm asking. Like, why isn't your, you don't, you have chickens in your yard, just plucking around eating bugs and laying eggs. Aren't you ready for the, when the power goes out and there's a, a blackout and nothing works anymore? You better be ready. I don't know what you're waiting for. What, you think that this dream world of just continued uh, you know, 5G cellular access and everything works here where I'm at and I get to get on my airplane and, and I have facial recognition so I can just get right on. And then you're just going to go right down that rabbit hole. Where do you think it's going to lead to? Where, what do you think this all ends at? You know, After they got the, the Republican versus Democrat dialectic really heated up and people are, are starting to get hurt, you know, they, they already got it crazy crazy amped up right now, right? They got the the Democrat Marxist power pigs in control of the Department of Justice and they're trying to throw everybody in prison and throw a charge on everyone. It's getting crazy. It's a Bolshevik takeover. It's Bolshevism. It's Obama Bolshevism. And they're going to try to flip over America and they'll, just how they did in Maui, they will t- turn our stuff off, undermine us. They have all kinds of agents that they just brought into America through the Southern border and whatever border. So if you're not on Red Alert, if you're not on Defcon 5, if you haven't gone and, buy and bought more ammo for yourself, but the point is it's time for us to talk honestly. The hour is growing late. There's no more point to talking falsely. There's no point to try to do a performative radio show and then have a bunch of advertisements on here that are like 10 minutes longer than usual. You know, you start, you start your podcast out with like a little two minute uh, commercial and then you just start to sprinkle the two minute commercials all throughout your podcast. And then pretty soon there's six minutes long and you only got 20 minutes of, of war room conversation. That's, that's even meaningful. And so it's all just a commercial ruse. It's all just a ruse to try to suck your money out of you, to, to, to tip you upside down and like knock all the coins out of your pockets, all a performative job, right? It's just a corporate shell, uh, you know, a corporate instrument there to like, to amp you up and to suck out your Little rube, you're like little rubes. So it sucks out your little dimes and pennies out of your pocket as you buy the, the little rube products that they sell you. So, I mean, I'm not here to make fun of it. I'm just pointing out that we're not here to sell you. We have a, we have a sponsor. Great. I hope that you like the sponsor. I hope that the, that the sponsor, you get some kind of value out of that, but that's not what it's about. And if we don't have a sponsor, we're going to carry on anyway. It's not about selling you products or, you know, it's about the revolution. And, and we're the ones here ultimately who are going to get the raw end of the deal. When this all goes down, we're the ones who are fighting for our own future. We have a dog in this fight. I mean, these jackasses up in Washington, D.C., they're not, they're insulated. They're just there working for the dialectic. They're there to be like the bright red, blinking red button for the Republicans to get all upset about, you know, like a red flashing uh, a cape in front of the bull, you know, that's not meaningful and it doesn't lead anywhere. And just telling you that they know what disasters are going to hit before they hit it doesn't tell you anything other than that these people are controlled opposition. They're just gaslighting you. They're leading you down the road to violence. I mean, what happened with January 6th? Trump just, I mean, a lot, what happened there, guys? I mean, how did how did the, everyone get walked right into that and no one takes any responsibility for it? Just Nancy Pelosi's waiting there with all of her Antifa FBI squad, right? What is going on there? And no one can call it out. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, everyone's going to jail. Everyone's under charges. No, this, this fight has gone beyond some political landscape, guys. These people are coming after us. They're coming to kill us. They're coming to kill us in prison. It's the same thing. It's murder. It doesn't matter if they're trying to do it in some civilized way where you're supposed to be like, this is like Matlock, and we've just decided the evidence that we're putting the cuffs on you, and it's upright, it's righteous. We're here righteously upholding the law. They're not righteously upholding the law. They're coming to enslave us and kidnap us and take us away from our families and have us killed. You can't trust these people. They couldn't even keep Jeffrey Epstein alive. I mean, being in their dungeon and their prison is being in their clutches. It's being in their, their kill zone. Okay. Nobody, nobody should, these sheriffs and these county judges, no, no one should be allowing any of their citizens to be carted away by foreign Hessian FBI, FBI murderers. All right, guys, it's gone far enough. It's gone far enough. And now they're going to try to talk about taking our guns. And these people have F-16s and Maui lasers. And now they're talking about taking our little gunpowder. No, we we cannot give up our constitution. We're not going to give up our rights. You're not. I'm not. So it's just, it's all all these Trump guys talking. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. He was in there the whole time. He was in there the whole time. He could have got rid of FBI Director Comey. He could have did an investigation and found out about Hunter. He was like, where's Hunter? And they did his shirt. Where's Hunter? But they didn't go anywhere. Hunter's walking around smoking crack in the White House. Stupid. So just being ineffective and powerless and talking a bunch of macho crap doesn't work for me. I'm not wearing some asshole's name on my hat just because, you know, you're dumb enough to go up against the the deep state empire and get your ass handed to you. You know, we're all getting our asses handed to us, and at least it's exposed. And we can thank Trump for that, for totally whipping the cloak off this thing. Pulling the carton behind, so we can see the little guy, the Wizard of Oz behind there, like pumping the little horns and tooting the little whistles and blowing the little flame. You know, like, oh, I'm the Great Oz. That's the deep state now. There they are, trying to continue on with their little power scheme. Trying to let you know. Now we got the new Forever War over there in Ukraine, and so we have to figure out what we're gonna do here, guys, because this voice of resistance that we have here, it's just for a little brief moment longer. And if we don't get together and push back in an organized way, oh, they put, they charged Hunter with some misdemeanors or something. Oh, they, they charged a Ray Epps with a little misdemeanor. Like, no, he's got to, we have to go all the way. This, this little, like trying to flash a little symbolic leg, a little, uh, genuflecting. That's not enough. Okay. That's not gonna be enough at all. And just, just Hunter Biden getting in trouble with some gun charge and just, Ray Epps getting hauled in there just to go for a misdemeanor. That's not enough. Where, what about the Epstein list? That's what it's about. It's about Epstein Pedophile Island, guys. It's about the list. It's about the flight logs. It's about Tom Hanks and all these other people who, in my opinion, were out there going to this pedophile island and were banging these little kids. We're doing Who the hell knows what they were doing, but it, they're disgusting and it's time for us to roll them up. It's time for the entire society to open up like an ocean and swallow these people up and drown them like Pharaoh and the chariots to the bottom of the fucking Red Sea. It's time to put this to an end. It's time. You have to decide in your mind. It's time to stop playing around with these Facebook and all these platforms. They shouldn't be on your phone. Every single one of those apps on your phone, TikTok, and all there, they're following you. They can see your keystrokes. They can see who you call. They can see if you're cheating on your spouse. They can see it. If, you, if you're doing something in the middle of the night, if you're going to, you know, going to look at some girly you know, porno site, they, they, they know everything you're doing. Oh, that, that app is off right now. The notifications are off. It doesn't matter. The app can watch your phone at all times. And once you give that permission to use the camera and the, and, the, and the microphone, it's done. You can go back and switch it off, but it was done. They, you gave them permission. They have permission. And these are, these are Chinese operators behind TikTok. It's a Chinese military operation. Just like the CIA right? Then they say the CIA was running behind FBI, all that kind of stuff. You cannot have that on your phone and use it carefully because it's monitoring everything you do. And it's using your cameras to to take pictures of you, get it off, get all that shit off your phone. And and now it's hard to tell whether if you had it on there and you take it off, whether it's even gone because these normal companies, they follow the law. And if you uninstall it, it gets uninstalled and it goes, but these, these other companies they are not following the law. And they're starting to hack other devices around that don't have. So if you have TikTok on your phone, it's now dangerous to me and my phone. Get that shit out of here. If you, if you literally have TikTok on your phone, don't call me. Don't look at my podcast. Don't, 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 don't send me nothing. Don't interact with me with that phone. Just keep that shit away from me. In fact, all, all those apps, Facebook, all that shit on your phone, it can just be taken off. You could just uninstall. Maybe later on, you can use those apps on a, on a certain computer where you could have a wicked VPN on there, and you could have some kind of control over your life, and it isn't just monitoring you like some kind of like. All those different devices are all different AIs, right? And then you're you're driving around a Tesla, which is basically a, a device like a cellular device that drives, and it's and it also is collecting data to to build its AI to know everything about you and everyone, everything about everyone, and everything about the cars driving next to it, taking pictures of them. So if you're not aware of what is being built here then you're just going to get paved over. Okay. If you're just going to be a landing strip for some other people to just come in and just land their, uh, F, F, uh, F 32s or whatever, right on your, right on your head. I mean, that's what's, what's ultimately happening. You're making yourself available to become this brain slave and they're using this blue light. You better do some research on that. They're using blue light frequencies to have a heavy influence on people's minds. So we're out, we'll do more research on that and we'll learn more about it but they're they are deep into this your phone is delivering light frequencies and sound frequencies to your brain they're doing shit to your brain that you have no idea about so oh it's a conspiracy theory now you're just a moron victim and later on they'll they'll take pictures of your family uh, as as or as your bodies are being thrown into the pit right they dig a big pit and they just they throw all the bodies in there that that'll be that'll be your family album at the end because you weren't listening everyone was telling you this is a serious situation here the politics that are being played are way past just you know one guy you know trying to go up against the other candidate and the best man to win. We're, we've gone into this this Marxian Hegelian dialectic downward spiral, and we're crashing in. And it's all timed with the other disasters. It's timed with the Federal Reserve collapse. It's all timed together. And as the people, if we don't get it together, we're going to lose everything, and we'll, and we'll have to just hand over death, poverty, starvation, famine, disease and just anguish to our children instead of the great inheritance that our parents left us. So it's time to fight. You're on the Looking Glass Forum. Welcome back. That's right, it's time for a word from our awesome and exciting and sexy sponsor, Wendy's Boutique Limited. You guys remember how this goes. Wendy's Boutique Limited is the hottest designer couture online, 2023 is limited catalog is here, hottest new styles, limited selection, and everything you need to be an amazing and incredible woman. And of course at Wendy's Boutique, we do not suffer the uh, left's disappropriation of womanhood and to weird uh, transgender uh, debauchery over here Wendy's boutique is all woman and we have amazing van Cleef and Arpels jewelry incredible Marco Bizzio, I see right here on the front page I hear sale on Savage, Christian Dior cologne of course everybody loves that it's a bestseller I see Hermes watches WB fine jewels of the highest order Wendy's boutique limited is boutique supremacy online. If you don't have wendyslimited.com, you you don't have anything, guys. And we have, of course, up here in the front deck, you see Prada purses, the most incredible jewelry. Everything here is absolutely guaranteed to be the best price and absolutely 100% pure couture, designer labels, and fine designer jewelry at Wendy's Boutique Limited. You have to come check out The Rage. Of course, Wendy's Boutique Limited recently canceled Balenciaga. Because Balenciaga's trash, WendyIsLimited.com, is everything you need.
0: Ben Hornwell, two things. Uh, you you covered your from Rome. The Pope sticking his mouth into this, um, like like he doesn't have enough problems in the Catholic Church right now. We we got so few problems he can go and get involved in the mass migrant crisis. But I got to go to Ukraine. Uh, as much as they tried to paper over it, this Zelensky, this trip of Zelensky's was an unmitigated disaster. He upset everybody that used to be his allies at the UN by trash talking Poland and others. And they just came back and said, hey, suck on this. How about there's no more arms? And, and, and guess what? All the million plus that are living here in the country, we give free health care to and free uh, and free education and free rent. Because Remember, the Poles aren't swimming in cash. They're the one group of the 2%. They're at 2% right now for NATO. They're the closest ally we got. Even the Brits, the, the, the Poles are as close as you got as a real ally. They've had it. They've had it. Here in D.C., it was behind closed doors. And of course, at the end of it, Biden gives them the interim range missiles. Just up in your grill. Every Republican has to be accountable now to the American people, to MAGA, to deplorables. 202-225-3121. Ask their office. Justify Ukraine. $24 billion. We're 33 trillion in debt. We have a $2 trillion deficit in this budget. What are you talking about? Are you insane? $24 billion. Think that just grows on trees? Ben Harnwell.
5: Morning, Steve. Well, you know, when the war posse are phoning around their local congressman's office, they can ask what their congressman thinks of the fact. And here's, I'm going to quote a morning consort poll for CNBC last week that said that 92% of Americans have had to cut back on their household spending for lack of funds. And that's a consequence not only, of course, of uh, biodynamics, but the disastrous consequences of this war in Ukraine, uh, and the uh, uh, 100, was it 100 200 billion uh, dollars worth of aid, financial support, military support uh, that the United States has given to Ukraine, um, uh, and this is just being added on to, so, as you say, the 33 trillion dollars worth of debt, and that's the reality. Um, and, and I'd like to see what the, what, what what the respective Congress men and women, respond to, to the, the actual difficulties that everyday Americans are living in their lives. Now, we said on the show, Steve, um, six months ago, nine months ago, that this war in Ukraine fundamentally won't be won on the battlefields there. It will be won on the, in the ballot boxes in the United States, because that, that's where the money for finances war is coming from. Um, along with that that in particular insight, right. I'd like to, if I, if I may, just, share with you some, um, some, some, in, some news of developments that are taking place here uh, in the European Union. Um, you might be interested to know that in the UK today, for example, uh, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, we've been highlighting the pivot uh, that's been going on now uh, since Vilnius in, in July, how the, the Western NATO members have started to distance themselves with presidents and In the Times today, Steve, which is Murdoch, Chris, there's a big in-depth uh, analysis. This is looking at the human costs. Well, Steve, what you've been talking about, the, according to the channel house of Ukraine, the sending of young guys over there into a, a pointless war. And they have, like, nothing, nothing sort of persuades more than specific uh, in terms of human stories, human uh, interest stories, specific lives that have been ruined, specific soldiers who've been left uh, without limbs have been left blinded. There's an article today and um, in the Times and it's absolutely fascinating because the headline here, by the way, is and I'll put it on my Getter uh, feed is Ukraine draft dodgers dream up extreme ways to avoid the fronts. Um, thanks very much, Denver. Um, but you know what, what particularly caught my eye here, Stephen in, in this story, you remember how we spoke on the show um, a couple of weeks ago, about how doctors were, were selling uh, permission slips to to people to try to avoid the draft. Well, the the market price a couple of weeks ago was between seven and eight thousand dollars. Well, since 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 those stories were breaking in the Western Press and in the Washington Post, what have you um, the, actually the, the, the Zelensky regime has tried to tighten up. On that corruption. But what has the consequence of that been? It's been a simple rise in price. This is the free market in corruption, a rise in price. So that the, the price now for, uh, for the release of due to ill health are now um, $20,000. So, in a sense, wow all that has happened, wow. That those who are profiting corruption wow. are profiting even more.
0: Yeah. Harnwell. Two two issues. You know, we had uh, Beatrice von Storch uh, on last night from Alternative for Deutschland, which is now twenty seven percent, second biggest party in Germany. The Economist lead story this week is about the rise of the populist right. We'll talk about that more next week because these are many of our compatriots that are leading this rise of the right in uh, in um, in uh, Europe. But it's all it's it's linked with the problem back here. I mean, there you've got and you heard Beatrice last night. They still have this massive they call it migration problems. They say illegal immigration through all their borders that's drowning them, particularly as the economy slowed down, coupled with this the oligarchs in the in the Ukraine war and and being unable to find a solution. Now the polls are going to gonna have an election, so that party's getting a little tougher on this. But what's your general assessment of both of these issues in Europe?
5: Well the situation is bad and it's getting worse. Um and the the only upsides to this is that it's the economic economic nationalist parties, the various economic nationalist iterations across the European Union are getting stronger and stronger. I reported yesterday that according to The Economist, um, it was like uh, four-fifths fifth, four of the European Union live uh, in a country that has a populist nationalist party uh, getting more than 20% now in the polls. Now here, 20% is extremely substantial because in I think all of, yes, so pretty much all of the, the, the European Union member states, there's proportional representation rather than the first-past-the-post that you'll see in the United States or the UK or what have you. It's all PR here. So that means you have a plethora of, of small uh, political parties all vying. For 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 support. Um, it's very intense, and 20% is extremely substantial, um, and that's where we are. That's the upside to this. Now, the, the pearl platters in the Economist and the FT and all the, the press that we sort of mention from time to time on on the on the wall, when they're panicking about the rise of populist nationalism around the world, they could stop it. You know, they could stop it instantly. They could. It's, it's like a tap that they've left running for too long. If, if it's a problem for them, if they stop it, how do they stop it? They return to promoting the interests of their own peoples. It is as simple as that. Uh, they were really scared about this. Now, they're scared about the consequences of what they've done, but they have no intention that these people are, are, um, are doubling down, tripling down on, on, their, on their globalism. They're, they're, not, they're not saying, oh, you know, you know we, we've unleashed forces that we don't like. Let's turn this down a bit. They're, they're, do you want an example Steve of how they're doubling down? The the globalist sociopath, favorite globalist sociopath, Pope Francis, right, who, who's notionally the head of, of the Catholic Church. So not that he's not the head, but he, you know, a lot of people doubt whether he's actually a genuinely uh, a validly elected Pope, and I'm one of those people. Um he was in uh, the, the south of France yesterday, in Marseille, and, and what did he say? Right? Because the, 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 the photos, the images that we're seeing across uh, the, the Mediterranean, Southern Europe, York, are exactly the same images that we're seeing um, in the United States. So people crossing the Southern border, uh, collecting themselves in New York, and you see the disorder, the chaos, the dirt. Uh, just a general sense of unmanageability. They're exactly the same pictures that we're seeing here in continental Europe. This isn't an accident. It's definitely being planned. What did the Pope say, right? When you have the Economist um, uh, clutching their pulse, what did the Pope say? He said this, impeding migrant rescues at sea is a gesture of hate. Um, so that's uh, that's basically the the, the, the response to of the Catholic Church to this great tragedy of people dying at sea. But they're dying at sea because they're illegally trying to enter the, the European Union. That's why they're drowning, right? You can come into this country illegally if you have the proper papers and if, if the various European Union members think you think you're, you know, you're, you're a genuine tourist or you're, you're a genuine student, the reason they're coming in by sea is because they've made an application and they've been turned down. Um, but they're coming in. You know, huge areas. Lampedusa—it's an island um, off the southern coast of Italy. Steve has a population of seven thousand Italians on that little, tiny Mediterranean island. Eight thousand five hundred people arrived on two days last week um, from Africa. This is you know, and you know, if if we do what Pope what Pope Francis is recommending us to do, every single city across continental Europe will finish in the same way. We know that there are about 1.5 billion people in sub-Saharan Africa that would like to make the trip. And the only reason that they don't make that trip um, is because because of the, the, the inhibitions that exist. What the globalists want to do, what Pope Francis wants to do, what, what the European Union wants to do, what the UN is trying to do when it's saying that there's now a human right to migrate, what they're trying to do is dissolve what few remaining protections we have left. So just open... Uh, the doors and let everybody come in. And of course, that will be the end of, of civilization. If you think, if you're, if you're an economist, if you're watching The Void today, if you think you have a problem with 20% uh, polling for economic nationalist political parties across the European Union when one million people came in, just wait to see what is going to happen if, 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 you, if you continue along with this madness. So that's the situation here in Steve's. in in Europe, Steve, and it is exactly the same as the United States. I repeat, these aren't accidental, unplanned phenomena. These are planned and executed.
2: So that was a presentation that was very quickly taken down off the the War Room podcast catalogue, which often happens. I think that sometimes the War Room and Steve Bannon and his guests Sometimes go too far and say just a little too much, you know, point out information that's just a little bit too detailed or too far outside the scope of what Americans are supposed to know in their mainstream news circuit. Right. So I think that this connection that the Pope is a villain and is part and parcel of the weaponization of the global elite, if not the, you know, the utter figurehead. And this idea that Ukraine is now their new forever war, I think that's an interesting point, interesting anecdote, or headline, I guess, or buried lead. In as much as it seems to me that, yes, it it seems very much apparent that Iraq and Afghanistan these other mechanisms by which they were pouring in trillions of billions and innumerable hundreds of billions of dollars, have been the mechanisms by which they've indebted us and also robbed us. And now we can expect to see that, of course, all the different Ukrainian sellouts and elites and bought and paid for a brand new millionaire and billionaire yacht owners (laughs) that are receiving the payouts that we're sending over there to, you know, send the money back to empower and enrich our elites like the Bidens to, uh, to continue to pay for lawyers and to pay for the political, clout to keep escaping accountability and justice and in the process bring us you know more quickly into deeper stagflation and ruining and indebting and bringing into destitution the american people which they can go back and laugh and, and high-five each other at the golf clubs and so yeah ukraine it's definitely uh becoming more and more apparent that that's their new forever war
6: If you've ever wondered why it's taken you so long to figure out what's happening now in American politics, don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. It's hard for most Americans to comprehend the total dishonesty of American liberalism. Virtually nothing the liberal says is true. And the lies are not ordinary lies. The lies are so brazen, so aggressive, and unending that it's difficult for a normal person to understand what's happening. Thirty years ago, for example, liberals began to lecture us softly at first and then in an increasingly high volume, about tolerance. How could you have known then that they planned in fact to usher in the most intolerant age in American history? They've done that now, but few people saw it coming. We shouldn't make the same mistake again. Liberals are now telling us they plan to protect American democracy, and that's the clearest possible sign that they intend to end it. Thirteen months from this week, the United States will hold a national election. In a democracy, citizens can vote for the candidate of their choice. That's not just a feature, it's the defining fact of the electoral system. The people rule. They can send anyone they want to Washington, because they're in charge. But this year, in the name of protecting democracy, liberals have decided to strip Donald Trump's name from the ballot in states across the country. Trump is the frontrunner in the presidential race. He's currently beating Joe Biden in the polls. Yet liberals have decided that you should not be allowed to elect him president. That's not democracy. It's the opposite. It's totalitarianism. Just this morning, Donald Trump appeared in court in New York in a civil case brought by the state's attorney general that was designed explicitly to keep him out of the White House. That case is part of a larger legal barrage against Trump that so far includes a total of 91 felony counts, every one of them politically motivated. But today's civil case is especially absurd. In fact, it's hard to overstate its ridiculousness. In sum, Trump stands accused of inflating the value of collateral used to secure loans, loans that he has already paid back with interest. In other words, there is no injured party in this case. The biggest banks in the world assessed the risk, and they made a profit, as they almost always do. Not a single person was defrauded. For this non-crime, Trump and his children are in the process of losing their homes and their businesses. Here's MSNBC's live coverage of the hearing today, and as you watch, pay special attention to the judge in the case, Arthur Ngoran.
3: And There you see President Trump, uh, the former president,
4: I should say, next to his attorney, and that's Chris Kives, who we expect to make the opening statements here, and then this I, judge I guess is uh, Judge Ngoran.
6: There he is, the judge, mugging like he's on stage at a middle school play, grinning, preening for the camera. Arthur and Gorin is thrilled to be on MSNBC. It's nauseating. This is not a legal proceeding. This is a grotesque parody of the system that our forefathers created, the fairest in the world, that in the years since has been seized by power worshippers like Arthur and Gorin. This is a dangerous moment. Without a legitimate legal system, people will no longer follow the law, and the country will collapse. This is not about Trump. This is about preserving the United States of America. But Trump is at the center of the story. And so today, for an overview of what exactly the strategy to prevent Trump from running for president and to end our current system, we turn to Victor Davis Hansen, who joins us now, Professor. Thank you very much for joining us.
7: Thanks so, for having me, Tucker.
6: B- before we get into the details of the legal assault on Trump, which in my view isn't really about Trump, tell us what you think is at stake here. What's the overview?
7: Well, I, I think they've come to the conclusion that Trump represented an existential threat and by association, all half the country did to their vision of what they want to transform us into. And so they feel that any means necessary uh, are justified by their noble spiritual ends. And therefore, they call it critical legal theory, just essentially, Tucker says, there's rules against stealing only because rich people don't steal, and therefore it's okay to steal. And modern monetary theory says print as much money, and eventually rich people will have to pay higher taxes or have their 401ks appropriated. Same thing with the border. Uh, Short term, everybody's mad at the border, but in dark rooms, they're saying to each other, in 10 years, everybody's going to appreciate what we did. We brought in 10 to 15 million new constituents. So and I guess to put it all together, they feel that they're at a stage now where their agenda does not appeal to 51% of the people, and they either have to bring in new constituencies or change the system, the entire system of which we are acculturated to, to retain power, and that's what they're willing to do. And uh, there's no such thing anymore as theft or, or lies or any of these things, uh, because they're just constructs, and they're just anything that's useful to gain power is considered legitimate, and anything that's not uh, useful is illegitimate, and that's how they define morality. And I think we're we're very naive, Tucker. We don't realize that we're in the middle of a revolution. We think that we're still playing within the same sidelines or parameters, and it's not. Everything's under negotiation, whether it's the Senate filibuster, the Electoral College, new states coming in, the size of the Supreme Court, voting IDs, uh, the genders, the foundational data of the United States, pronoun usage from the trivial to the existential. We're in the middle of a cultural, economic, political revolution, and I think we've got to wake up.
5: I mean, I I
6: suppose the danger is that if the average person decides that the system is illegitimate, it's not fair, it doesn't have any meaning beyond the political desires of the people administering it, then, you know, what what prevents the average person from resorting to violence? In other words, if you have no power, if your vote means nothing, if the system is BS, then, you know, why don't you take up
7: arms? Seriously. Well, two things I think have precluded that so far. One is I call it the monastery of the mind. A lot of people just say, you know what, I'm checking out. I don't, I don't want to watch the Oscars. I don't even know what the Tonys or Emmys yeah. are. I don't watch the NBA. I, I have nothing to do with Hollywood movies. I just created my own reality. And the other is, when, under our federal system, we're having millions of people this is the greatest Exodus diaspora we've ever seen in our history where people are fleeing these blue states and blue cities to red states and they feel that I'm gonna recreate America as I once understood stood it without having anything to do. And so far that's kept us that's kept us sort of viable, but they for them that's not enough. It's never enough to have two million illegal entrants or three million. They gotta have eight or nine or ten. It's not enough that Joe Biden is corrupt, it's not enough that he's non compost mentes, it's not enough that his agenda doesn't make sense. He's got to, you've got to accept more and more of him. And I think they keep pushing the envelope, and these safety valves that I just mentioned, I don't know if they're going to be enough already, but right now, I think there's one last effort on the part of conservatives they are going to say, you know what, we're going to speak up as we've never spoken up before. We're not. We're going to go after Target. We're going to go after Disney. We're going to say that we're going to go after the three gender movement, and we're going to try to win this election. We're going to try to win the House. We're going to try to rep- win the representative. We just have to unite behind, and we'll see if that works. I'm really afraid. Everybody says democracy is in danger, but I think if they feel that they have the majority of the people, and I think the majority of the people are. Uh, against this progressive uh, Jacobin agenda, and they still can't find power, then we're going to be in new territory. We're in new territory now. And so there are legitimate efforts to rectify and stop this madness, and let's see what happens in 2024. But I don't think it works anymore just to migrate to a red state or to drop out of the popular culture. You've got to get control of the political apparatus of the country through elections. And, if, and your worry is legitimate. If you can't do it through fair elections, then what do you do? So I think this election, I know everybody says that, that each election is paramount. But this one is very important because we're in the middle of a revolution, and it's our only avenue to a counter-revolution to return to normality. What, what would you say to the people who stopped paying their cable bill and move to Florida and feel
6: like everything's fine because their neighborhood is fine? Why is that a bad strategy, dropping
7: out and moving? Because they can find you. And by that I mean Florida or Tennessee or living in Texas is a great advantage than living in California or Michigan or Oregon or Washington or Maryland. But eventually the federal government is not satisfied to leave you alone. And so when you go on your Google search, it will be calibrated by an algorithm to make sure that you have results that don't represent reality. And we're in a federal system where we have $33 trillion in debt, and there's only three ways to get out of it. You either have to inflate all of our currency, which we're trying to do, I suppose, or we're going to have to appropriate capital, which they've talked about, you know, giving credit to Social Security years by taking 401k money, or you're going to have to renounce the debt, and that's going to affect all of us. And I don't need to mention that a lot of this crime is going across state lines, and you can be in red state Texas, and the federal government can say you can't protect the Texas border, or maybe it can redefine the American border as the border with Oklahoma and Texas. You're not sending your illegals northward, but you're not going to be able to stop them coming into your state because we've targeted you for a radical demographic change. So I, I, it's a stopgap, stopgap sanctuary, but it shouldn't lull us into the idea that, that it's a solution. The solution is to take back the Congress, to ensure the Supreme Court is a traditional Supreme Court, and to win the presidency. But unfortunately, the Republican Party which we all look to, I don't look to it very much anymore, has lost seven out of the last eight popular votes, hasn't won 51% since George H.W. Bush did it by bringing in Lee Atwater in 1988. And we decided we don't want to ever win that way again. It was too ugly, they thought. So they, I guess the idea in the national level is to, win, um, to lose nobly and, and never to win ugly. But we've got to change that attitude because we're dealing with people that are not Democratic liberals in the way that we used to define them as Bill Clinton or Harry Truman or JFK. This is a new generation of, as I said, Jacobins, and they believe that any means necessary are justified morally to achieve their morally superior aims. What what happens if Democrats win the presidency
6: in 2024?
7: If they win the presidency, that means they'll keep the Senate and they'll probably take back the House. And then I would expect that we would see another 10 or 15 million uh, illegal immigrants come across the border. And uh, there would be efforts to confine those immigrants from going to northern cities. They would stop them somehow. I would assume that we would... uh, we would probably have advisors in ukraine and that would be that would be charitable i think people really do want to intervene in ukraine with us manpower i would assume that what we see in the big cities crime wise would extend but it would also in, extend in the civil the civil sphere as we see with Donald trump that lawsuit that you mentioned is very important tucker because it shows you that critical legal theory is not happy just to let people ransack, uh, smash-and-grab, carjacking without consequences. They really do want to go after private capital uh, in the civil sector, and they will start filing lawsuits, as you wouldn't believe. And I think we would also expect that the FBI, the CIA, the DOJ would have a, a referendum. I guess they would think the election was a referendum on them, and they're free to do what they have been doing, but at an accelerated rate. So uh, I think it would be a disaster. And I think racial relations would get a lot worse as well. You know, they're getting bad now once we gave up the idea of ecumenicalism and turned to racial essentialism as what the Democratic Party has forced down everybody's throat. So it's, it, it's going to be scary if they, if they win, because that means they'll probably take the House and the Congre- the entire Congress. And there won't be any, there won't be any redress of grievances. I don't see it. But I don't think they will because they don't have any popular support. Every single one of Joe Biden's issues, economy, crime, energy, foreign policy at the border, he's polling 30 or 40 percent. And the only way they're retaining power is through the legal system and the administrative state and our institutions, media, entertainment, sports, um, education, K-12, universities, and it's kind of an artificial way of getting power without popular consent. And that's why I think you were right on when you said they don't believe in democracy. In fact, op-ed writers in the New York Times will say that now, that democracy is a flawed idea. Because it doesn't, it doesn't any longer re, uh, ensure the result that they have to have. Like good Bolsheviks or good Jacobins, they eventually always turn on elections. They don't won't want them. And so we'll see. It's going to be a very explosive... I hope everybody can keep their head because I think the next 12 to 18 months are going to be the most explosive in our history since the Great Depression. Do you think Trump is leading now? Um,
6: What do you think would happen if 11 months from now um, Trump was still leading?
7: Yeah. Well, we're on... Charter, we have no idea about this election, Tucker, because, first of all, we've never had a president running against an ex-president, number one. Number two, we've never had an incumbent president that is utterly corrupt, like Joe Biden, and has lost all of his, or most of his cognitive facilities, and is very unpopular. And yet we've never had a challenger who has been the victim of lawfare and is facing 91 indictments. And every time People say they wouldn't dare do this. Fannie Willis wouldn't dare. Latina James is just an absurd prosecutor. She wouldn't dare. Alvin Bragg is a buffoon. He wouldn't dare. Jack Smith is a partisan. Every time people say that, they do. And so I don't know if there's a strategy to keep Donald Trump either out of a gag order or out of confinement at mar lago or out of jail. So you can see where we're headed to where, Joe Biden isn't really a a viable president anymore. He's a construct. He's being used by the hard left, by the Obamas and the Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders squad wing of the Democratic Party. And it's getting to the point of character. So you put all of those things together and add in a Kamala Harris that frightens everybody because we've never had such an incompetent vice president, I think, and one so unfit to be president. And they're, they're everything, all bets are off. It's, it's like putting a, a, a group, uh, all sorts of ingredients of explosive into a kind of device, and it's going to blow up, I think, somehow. But I don't think uh, we can predict what's going to happen. It's just too volatile. I think the left feels that they want to push the, the envelope. They want to take the leading Republican candidate, and they want to create charges against him, which they know they would have never... Lodge had he just said I don't want to run for president. They would have let him alone So these are patently political and they want to destroy him psychologically financially and of course politically and they think they can get away with it without pushback and we'll see and so the other I think the other candidates are going to be I don't know what their What their line should be Tucker, but I think it should be if you want to vote for me I am going to be viable and I'm going to make sure that they never do to Donald Trump what they're doing now and I'm in a better position to help Trump than he is. That's the only, I think, legitimate argument to make, uh, that, that this involves everybody. And if you're going to run for president and you feel that you embrace the MAGA agenda, you should say that I will not be in jail, I won't be exposed as, to the same degree and if I can survive, I will change the system and make sure Donald Trump is exonerated and never, and no one else has to face this. But otherwise, it's, it's going to be a very complex, bizarre, baffling period. I don't think the founders had, this is their worst nightmare,
6: 2023-24. I don't even think you'd have to support Trump's agenda or Trump the demand to see this as an assault. Uh, on a centuries-old system that's worked better than any other. And I I wonder why almost nobody in Washington seems to see that or be willing to say it out loud.
7: Yeah, the only question I have about that is I don't know why they did not go to the same extremes. They did go to extremes uh, against McCain and Romney, etc. But there was something about Trump, his personality, that was an affront. To the bicoastal standard of I don't know what they thought was acceptable or desirable or it was his agenda when they looked at the particular MAGA agenda and they said my god we have sizable investments in China and they are a partner they're not an existential threat this is really scary or we have this idea of global global ecumenicalism we can't have a border anymore and this guy wants to bring back a border or we have this idea that how we look or our race is essential, not incidental to who we are. And he would want to bring back this crazy melting pot and destroy the entire woke movement. So I, I think it did represent to them a DEFCON CON one, and they said, We can't have this. And it would have been all right, Tucker, had he been a third party Ross Perot. They dealt with people like that in the past, and they'd already been able to handle them. But he won the Republican nomination, got elected, and now he wants to. To be back. And they just said, we don't we're going to do everything we possible and we're going to even reject our prior democratic liberal heritage of you know ACLU, free speech, and transparency and the church committee, investing all of that's off the table. We don't want to do any of that anymore. We're going to do anything necessary to destroy this guy's vision and the other candidates who share his vision. Because if we don't, we're going to go back to an America that We didn't like when it was there. We don't like now. and We sure as hell don't want to be an America in the future like that. I I think
6: even people who are skeptical of the claim that the last election was unfair or rigged have concluded that it was, in fact, unfair. Um, And the federal agencies got involved in a partisan way. It was not a free and fair election. Given that that system is still in place, you think it's possible for a Republican or Trump specifically to get elected in
7: 2024? It's very difficult. And what the left did was absolutely brilliant, Tucker. They they seized on this Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, Kraken, Dominion voting machines as representative of all of the, the questions about the election when what most people said the election was awesome by the time we got to election day. yeah, Because 70% of the voters had voted not on Election Day, and that never happened in American history. It was always 30% absentee, 70% in most states on Election Day. But they systematically used COVID as an excuse and went into about nine states and changed the voting laws. And I mean by that that the error rate for mail-in ballots dropped exponentially, as the rejection rate did, as they were swarmed by them. And they were bragging about it. Mark Zuckerberg was bragging about spending $419 million to absorb the work of precinct workers in key states. Molly Ball, as you remember, in that Time essay, just gushed about how they had outsmarted these stupid conservatives, and they had coordinated the Chamber of Commerce, the street people, Antifa, etc., to modulate the demonstrations and to suppress free speech. And, you know, when Twitter is being controlled by the FBI to the tune of $3 million being paid off for their, their own contractors to suppress streets, or Google is manipulating searches and ads and everything. That's what destroyed the, the viability of a fair election. It was done before Election Day, and we were all asleep. Or Some of us, I know you were yelling about it. I was trying to yell about it, but we couldn't get through to anybody that they would be that audacious or that successful. Nobody thought they were capable of that, and yet they were.
6: So why is why have Republicans in Washington done nothing meaningful to fix any of that?
7: I think the traditional answer to that is probably accurate. That there's a culture that is created, and it's kind of a, a lose nobly, avoid winning ugly, profit both financially and psychologically, the status quo, and they and they feel that. Their own constituents. Some of the Republican constituents are kind of out there, and an embarrassment to the type of culture and environment that you know that they operate in in Washington. And so the the sense is, I'm not going to be too affected by the left wing takeover because I I know I can make the necessary adjustments in a way that my constituents can. And so I think there's a Sometimes in the case of somebody like Mitch McConnell, it can be overt, but in other cases, it's pretty clear as well. And that's been going on for a long time. And the problem we're having now is that you need leaders who are trying to tell people we are in a Jacobin takeover of this country, and the old get-along-at-any-cost does not work. And uh, I don't think people want that disruption in their comfortable lives in Washington. I mean, if you say to somebody in the Republican establishment, We've got to break up the FBI. You've got to take the headquarters and put it in Kansas City and farm out the dis- divisions to other cabinet posts to prevent that concentration of really dangerous power. You've got to do something with the CIA. You've got to do something with the DOJ. We've got to have massive legal reforms. I don't think they're up to that. I really don't. I don't think they're up to being trashed in the, the Washington Post or the New York Times or not being invited to a particular guest spot on a network news, or being shunned by NPR and PBS. They, they're just not up to that. Or having their books trashed by uh, book reviewers on the left. They, they don't want that. There's a few that do, and uh, but until we get a lot of people who say, you know, you on the left culturally have nothing that I want. And so when you hate us and call me names and you lie about I. I Take that as a badge of honor. I don't try to provoke you. I want to get along with you. But you have no cultural influence over me anymore. And I'm going to be an advocate for returning to the country, to the principles upon which it was founded. I think that's what people want to hear. And I think in 2024, they'll hear that. And they're going to have to, each person, according to their station, Tucker, stand up, write, give money to, to the cause, uh, write letters to the paper, volunteer to work at precincts. Uh, monitor what the left is doing with mal- uh, mail-in ballots. And you're starting to see that grassroots interest, but the question is, will it be in time and of a magnitude that will stop this?
6: So, to the hearing today uh, in New York, the civil case against Trump, my read of it is that it's, it's ridiculous. The premise is absurd. Am I missing something? Is there any merit, do you think, just as objectively as you can, to this suit?
7: Well, I mean, in, the, in a larger sense, no, because you can ask yourself two questions. Would Letita James and the people who are doing this, would they have done it if Donald Trump on January 7th said, conditions have changed, I'm now not going to run for office? I think the answer is no. And then the second thing, do, are some of the giants of New York finance and real estate, do they operate in a way that is completely different than Donald Trump? They never overvalue an an asset, and I think the answer is no. And then the third question might be, now that you picked on Donald Trump, are you going to systematically uh, look at the bank applications and loan applications of, say, 50 or 60 of the largest developers in New York, especially on the left-wing side? I don't think so. So, And especially you made a good point that uh, the bank is not filing suit and saying we lost all this money. And then we have to ju- juxtapose it, Tucker, to what we're witnessing on the other side with somebody like Sam Bankman-Fried that was put on house arrest on the Stanford campus. We now know about his parents, two renowned Stanford law professors that were gri- grifting off their own son and siphoning money from his company as it was collapsing, which was a big uh, bundler and provider of millions of dollars for the Democratic Party. and. Nobody in the Democratic Party seems to be upset about him, and even then we we have Hunter Biden. looking Biden, we're looking at this, and we and you want to ask Latita James: Do you really, are you really going to do anything, or do you think that Joe Biden should face consequences for again and again and again telling you, the American people he had no knowledge or participation in any of Hunter's business when you know that was untrue, and money was coming to his address, and so. It's a very strange time, Tucker, when you have all this evidence, both to exonerate Donald Trump because of this asymmetrical treatment and the fact that there was no damage, but also when you're looking at Hunter Biden or Menendez and all these these people and you think, how can they, with a straight face, tell us that there's not a shred of evidence that Hunter and Joe were acting in an illegal fashion? And the president of the United States, as we talk, you and I are talking right now. The president of the United States is pretty clearly, as vice president, was utterly corrupt, and has never accounted for that. And nobody on the left cares about it. And more importantly, the judiciary or the prosecutorial arm of the United States government is protecting it.
6: Let me ask you one one last question. So I want to put up a clip of, uh, it, as you know, there's a lot going on, and no matter what side you're on. I think if any aware person sees that this is a revolution, our, our most basic systems are changing uh, for good or bad. And yet the news coverage, I mean, not only is it partisan, it's also incredibly shallow. Here's MSNBC's coverage of the civil trial in New York, the case against Donald Trump. I just one clip
1: of As of this order,
6: several of the crown jewels in Trump's real estate empire, the properties upon which
1: he built his brand, those properties are now in limbo. The precise impact of today's rulings, ruling has yet to be seen, but Trump could lose control of
6: properties, including Trump Park Avenue, which is his luxury skyscraper in Manhattan's Lenox Hill neighborhood. He could lose control of 40 Wall Street, the historic tower Trump owns in the financial district. He could lose control of his Seven Springs Golf Club in Bedford, New York. Even his apartment in Trump Tower, the gilded bunker in which he has sought refuge in his home city. Tom could lose control of that. Maybe even the golden toilet, too. So here, they're going after this guy on the basis of a non crime. They're not even alleging that there was a crime or that anyone was hurt. And they're taking his home. And it's businesses, and MSNBC's coverage is that.
7: Yeah, I mean, what MSNBC just told us is that we are not only fine with, but we promote the idea that government can go in to a business, all of the business, and appropriate it, and destroy it, yes. without cause. And we think that's... Not only good, but funny, because we're going to throw a little fill up about a a golden toilet. Ha ha. And the idea is that we now have the power to do this. And because we have the power to do it, it's moral and right. And if you don't like it, what are you going to do about it? And the answer is, what are we going to do about it? And the only thing that I can think of is we're going to have to... And humiliate and defeat these people at the polls. I don't think it's going to work, Tucker, to win the electoral college and one one branch of Congress. You're going to have to have a 55% presidential win, both supermajority in the Congress, to get anything done. We've come so far, and you're going to have to defeat them and humiliate them the way that we had a, we did it once with Reagan, and it lasted for about eight years. But this leftist revolutionary spirit is like rust after a rain or it's mushrooms in your lawn. It's always there. And you can't, you can't allow it to grow and to expand and accelerate as we have. We've been complacent and culpable for allowing it to do so in the universities and, exactly. and all of our institutions. I think now everybody, according to their station, is going to have to say, you know what? There are two pronouns. I don't care if you angry. This angry. The date of this country is 1776. Got it? That's what it is. And there is a border, we're going to enforce it. And just say no to all of these things, and then welcome the opprobrium and the attacks that accrue accordingly. And wear that as a badge of honor, because what's the alternative? There is no alternative, unless you want to see the United States dissipate before your very eye.
6: Yes. Yeah. And living in Naples with no TV will not save you. That is exactly right. The incomparable Victor Davis Hanson, thank you. No. Bless you for that. Thank you very much.
2: So now it's time for a word from our sponsor. And as you know, our sponsor is courageously helping us to keep our show going here. So it's Wendy's Limited.com. Wendy's Limited.com. to Wendy's Limited.com. Wendy's Limited.com has all the hottest new styles and couture trends and latest boutique women's apparel and shoes and heels and flats and all kinds of just wonderful stuff. You have hives and honey uh, jewelry armoire. to has been a favorite lately. And we have, of course, Windsor crystal uh, lamps. Have one, uh, one in stock in particular that has been a favorite. So, Wendy's Limited.com is always open to help you get everything you need. Awesome Prada purse that we uh, saw that, that uh, Wendy's Limited just put up. So we have to thank who out there wants to get incredible Prada fashion couture. You know that um, from what I hear. They're a favorite of many, many ladies out there, many women all over the place. In fact, I think you cannot find a single family member or wife or sister or aunt or grandmother or loved one or girlfriend or what have you that uh, does not love. Prada purses so if you want to be totally awesome you have to eventually come to grips with Wendy's Limited.com Wendy's Boutique Limited has all the hottest new styles and latest women's apparel everything you need to be totally awesome if you're a woman or if you have a, a Woman who's someone that you love and of course we all love women because they're just so awesome. That's why Wendy's Limited.com is so successful So go check out Wendy's Boutique Wendy's Limited.com is the only place to go, and we have to recommend. She's been totally, 100% awesome to us, and generous. So we are always going to be buying our jewelry, fine jewelry, gold, gold and silver jewelry, and all of our best boutique couture and designer trends. Are we're going to go to Wendy'slimited.com? So check out Wendy's boutique limited. So here we are at the end of the age at the end of this cycle of time here we're just com- coming to a conclusion coming to the the very epilogue of uh, you know western civilization the very closure of the very edifice of freedom and liberty liberty of conscience a liberty of conscience freedom of speech and religion right those are all things that are just gone man they're gone if you can declare that there's some kind of global emergency that every county, state, and municipality, and country, the nation, and every language, every tribe in the entire universe has to all get down on their knees and be, be, you know kneel down and into beggary because somebody declares like a global health you know, emergency or something, right? So now we're all we're all being brought in house. We're brought we're we're all onboarding now. It's the onboarding process. Okay, we're we're all becoming part of this global government. This coalition of global citizenry, and we can't we can't bow out, right? We can't separate ourselves. We can't you know that's what the World Health Organization is doing right now. They're they're using this Biden this time with the Biden administration having control of the presidency. To make sure that all the the possibilities of independence and liberty and, and freedom from this totally ubiquitous system of tyranny is impossible. It's impossible to escape. That's why you got Mexico down there building the wall. What? They're building the wall? Yeah, go look. The Mexico has got construction crews building the wall. I mean, not the wall to keep, to protect America, but the wall to protect Mexico. Because they're, they're, they're a sane national government. And their whole purpose. So, you know, damn the World Health Organization and their attempt to to depopulate us all for the sake of, you know, the health of the world. They're worried about the health of the world, guys. They're worried that there's going to be too many people. It's like having uh, your dog full of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of fleas, right? You got to get rid of all the fleas. That's how we are. It's, a, it's, it's, it's in order for the, the health of the world to the strength and the cohesion of America is not because we had some kind of global reserve currency, which is a ridiculous thing, to take to make the global reserve currency a borrowed fiat debt money, right? Instead of making it gold or silver or something that's totally secure, and totally equitable and profitable for everyone to use. They, they use some kind of debt currency, some kind of made up, private, fake financial instrument like a Federal Reserve no, and they make that the global reserve currency. So th- the whole point of this is to deconstruct and detonate and destroy and explode. How many other words can we use? Annihilate. This is the current system of uh, the Westphalian nation state, the system of nation states that we have here, of independent popular government, independent representative democracy, independent Republican populist government these are the kind of things that we, we, where we vote for our representatives and the representatives do what's best for the people. Those, the, the whole idea, the whole concept of that is really born and established by the American Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and, and our founding documents, the Bill of Rights, et cetera, et cetera. Other nations move quickly to try to duplicate and copy and be like America and to be like democracy for the people, not democracy and disaster capitalism for the elites. Okay, so let's understand that these Democrats are confused about what democracy is. It's not just the the supremacy of the will, of the screaming mob at the time. Okay, democracy is very it, when we come when it comes to Republican democracy, constitutional republicanism. Here, everything is split up and carefully sectioned out so that each each area, in each state, in each county has a representative for each of those and a delegate for particular people in, in that county. And if the county becomes more populous, you get another representative to re- represent you. So it's very carefully balanced. It's not just screaming mob. Screaming mob burning down the courthouse you know, gets their way. That, that's, not, that's, that's, that's not how... That's democracy of the mob. That's not going to work. That, that, that's the kind of democracy of Antifa and BLM and Democrats. We want, and we have established here, constitutional Republican democracy, which allows for the Democratic will of all the people, not just the screaming mob. The people over in that county that have a few people. The people over in that county who are more numerous. Or the, the people over in this county who are less numerous. They all have representatives. They all get a voice. It's not just about the screaming, burning, looting mob. Okay, Democrats? So you put your, put your spastic Marxist, communist democracy concept away and recognize that this is a constitutional republic. And the constitution of this republic allows for these different areas and these different people and these different groups. Over here you have Mennonites. Over here, there are a Christian group. You have Quakers over here. They're a Christian group. Over here, you have Amish people. They're a different Christian group. They're all different, but they all get a voice. It's not just the larger screaming, violent group gets the rule over the others. Okay? So you you with you, your Democrat murderers, you abortionists, you do not get to decide for the entire nation that there's going to be ugh, some kind of right to kill your kid. You can call it women's health or whatever kind of crazy stuff. Women's health is not the end all be all primary prerogative of this entire nation. You know what's the prerogative of this entire nation? Children's health. How about children's health? Because you know, women, if you've already grown up and you're fully grown and you're able to have sex, consensual sex, and get pregnant, then you know, you already had your time. Your time already came and went. You're already a grown-up. We don't care about you. we want to protect the children. The children who didn't even barely get born into the world yet, who are still laying in their diaper, you still have to call out for call out for their mommy for a bottle of milk. That's who we're here to protect. And just because you grew up with your old stinky, hairy vagina, and now you could pop out children everywhere, and you think that you have the right now because you're here and you have a vagina and you can you can make babies pop out, and if you want to kill those babies, you'll just kill them right in the womb, right right when the big old baby bump is bumping out of your belly you'll just kill that baby guess what no you won't no you won't you murderer you murderous disgusting murderous reprobates you will not murder your kids that will be the law of the land the the, the rights of the children will be divine. the rights of these children who aren't even born yet haven't even got a chance to breathe air all they can see is some faded light through the skin of their mommy's belly They, they can't even see the light of the world fully yet And these individuals over there are trying to murder them already, because they're alive. Because I have rights, my vagina and my sexual orgasm rights are permanent and absolute. And if I want to kill these babies and and just go enjoy moist sex, then that's what I'll do, right? That's your motto, you pro-abortion fucking freaks, you murderous pigs. Put your vaginas away. I mean, you know what can fix this problem? I want you to take an Advil and hold it between your knees. Hold the Advil between your knees, okay, pinch your legs closed, hold the Advil right between your knees, little Tylenol, you know, pinch that bad boy between your knees, and you know what, you won't have any more abortion problems, you won't get pregnant anymore. That's what you can do as an adult to fix the problem, but you can't just spread your disgusting, filthy pussy open for whoever man comes along, and you can be banging whoever you want, and then all of a sudden you're pregnant, and it's inconvenient, and you're going to kill the baby. No, murderer, no. You disgusting, sexual, deviant freak! You will not kill the baby that you just now gestated in your womb because you're a, an alienated, Malthusian, suicidal reprobate. That's what you are. That's what you. Now you, you can't even be bothered for a gentle, innocent baby life, an infant baby to be born into the world. You can't be bothered with that because your sexual desires, your lust, your out of control urge to reproduce, right? Your, your sexual impulse is so strong that you just get, you have to go back and just. Have some more sex. You can't be bothered with a pregnancy, right? That's how dissolute and depraved this immoral and degenerate generation of vipers. That's what you are. You're vipers. You can't even cuddle and hold up your own baby. You're, 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 you're happy to spread your legs again in the office and have them suck it right out. And then feel emotional about my decision. You know, you know what's emotional about the decision is that baby was sitting there. His brain's coming online. His heart's been beating for months. And he's reaching out to the world to find his mommy... And all it gets is the fucking vacuum of a, of a shop vac suction cup and some scissors snipping at the base of its skull as its final experience in this life. That's all just for convenience for you because of your vagina, you're, you and your vagina have right. You got to get your, you got to spread it and get and get some, get pounded by some more penis so you can't be bothered with the interruption of the baby. So you're sick. So this is the kind of hard work we're gonna have to do in this country to ridicule and slap these people down from their disgusting position that they're taking. The transgender, they're they're in public, public libraries in front of kids talking about transgender, transvestite, chicks with dicks in front of the kids. So we're in a war. This is not gonna work. We're not gonna imprison all of us. We're not gonna be able to kill all these, these limp-wristed, little weasel queers couldn't bite their way out of a paper bag. This is all being financed by the, the insidious globalists, elite billionaires, the Soros crowd, they're financing all this. It's very disturbing. It's upsetting. It's, it's traumatizing and shocking the conscience of America. And that's what they're doing it for. That's the purpose. That's why. Why else would you do it? There would be no other reason to shock and traumatize the conscience of these people, of, of us here, right? So we're reacting. We're letting our families and our children and our future generations and our offspring, our very babies, fall into the hands of these sick, reprobate monsters who think they can't even put an X and a Y chromosome together to have a baby. They can't do it. They're sodomites. They can't stop sticking their their sexual organs into the wrong spot. They can't even put the right pieces together to have a baby. And they're here to take your kids and tell them something, teach your kids something in a classroom. What? Now you let that happen to your kids. It's your fault. That's on you. That's what this whole process of getting to this point in America, we're going to repent. Are you going to repent? Are you going to? Maybe you haven't been brought to the place where you've been lowered down and humbled and humiliated, brought low, scraping down. You haven't been brought down into, your, into the poverty enough yet. It's coming. You, have, you haven't seen your family and yourself go hungry yet. Well, that's coming. It doesn't matter how hard you work or how high your income gets. The food prices will outmatch your income. You're not going to be able to keep up. You just got to cut back and cut back and cut back. And those snacks, cut those back. And going out to eat, cut that back. And you're going to cut back and cut back until you have a couple things in the freezer. That's that's the plan here, guys. Very, very wealthy people the Nancy Pelosi's of the world with their huge commercial size restaurant-grade freezers full of ice cream and goodies. Right? Those people will be unaffected. But you and I, the 90% of us... oh you make 250k oh you make 450k it doesn't matter you're poor you're poor get ready to start selling some of your extra vehicles get ready to sell your boat get ready for your business to go into decline because you can't afford to pay for good health it's already happening look around you how is all that happening to you you spent your life your family before you because apparently they decided not to abort you well aren't you blessed so you're not aborted. And your family spent their lives building up all kinds of goodies and assets and wealth for you. So when you were come of age, you could take it on and carry it on. Look what this country, what this Biden administration is doing. It's ruining your family. It's ruining your family business. It's ruining your entire nation all around. It's not just you. It's me. It's so not just you and me. It's your neighbor. It's people over there who don't even know us. They're all, we're all being ruined by this. And so it's fascinating to watch the rest of you. As the the veil is finally torn, and you can finally see the the true nature of this corruption and the the plan here to annihilate and bring America to an end, to a resounding, historical, epic fall into ashes and flames. That's the plan here, guys. That's been the plan for a while. It it was a very serious, heavy-duty undertaking because destroying a nation like this as it was constituted originally was almost an impossible task because of the great financial strength and economic power, because of the resilient, triangulated political separations of powers so that the, the house of government was squarely and stood on the foundation and squarely built on the foundation of a, a moral and brave people who were fighting for their own relationship, for their God and for their Bible. And for, you know, so the entire, establishment of the, the American democracy, and American constitutional Republican democracy was established so that Christians and, and Protestant free men could be free. And if that meant that other people had to be religiously free too, then they could be free too. You know, if you were a Mormon, you just want to make up some fake religion, just make up, just write your own Book of Mormon and just make up something because you're Freemasons. Make up some false religion. There you go. Go ahead. It's free religion, guys. You want to be a Roman Catholic even though they are, have been spent the last thousand years of history trying to destroy us all? Okay, fine. You don't want to repent and, and come to the, the true saving grace of Jesus Christ, but you want to go with that Roman ritualism? Hey, it's a free country. Same with Mormon. Same with the Muslims. You want to go and continue to read that book uh, and that's completely uh, bogus, and you uh, you want to freely practice your uh, blood religion of murder, murderous beheading? You want to you know you know what it's America you're free you free you're free to have your own religions and I'm free to have my religion I'm free to study the Bible and to have my relationship with Jesus Christ and to refuse to do any kind of Muslim or Roman religion because I, I refuse it's ungodly and it's blasphemous and I'm not doing it that's my religion right that's, that's my freedom to do that So now this whole apparatus, this whole system is going to be tested. It's going to be tested because now we can get to find out who is true. What God is the true God? What belief system actually has the kernels of truth in it and allow it to be an oracle and allow it to actually function in human society? Because if you go to Mohammedism or Sufism or any of that, bizarro mysticism that they got there, it doesn't functionally work in society. It doesn't lead to the people becoming a well-educated, free people who are independently wealthy and psychologically sound. Because when I look at these other people in these Muslim nations, they look like they've been raised up under a system of trauma, trauma trauma-based terror, and they don't look like they can read or write, and they don't look like they're psychologically sound. They don't look like they're fit to to be able to carry on logic and the tactics and the strategy that it takes to run a nation. For free people to make the right decisions and choose the right leaders, they have to be educated, they have to be psychologically fit, they have to be well informed about what's going on in the world, they have to have real clear news reports, not fake lies and deceptions and distorted accounts, they need real information so they can make real decisions, they need to be really educated so they can do math and they can read. They can do calculations, and they can figure out what is the best course for their family. All these other religio-cultic systems of mysticism and just false religion—who are who? These people are, are are savages and they're psychopaths. They really believe full heart, fully in their religion, and some of these individuals will kill you over it, right? But that, that doesn't surprise us in history because look at Catholicism with Rome the Roman variety of Catholicism. The Roman variety would put people to death by the hundreds of thousands for centuries. There's no difference. You do want to religiously obey our cult? We kill you. Okay, that's what they do. But that's not what the religious freedom of America was established. It was, it was established as a contradiction to that religious murder. It was established as, a, as diametrically opposed so that no other religious institution could presume to be absolute truth and kill everyone else who they declare to be heretics or infidels or whatever. So let's find out whose system of religious veneration and devotion is true. Because about now look at the Pope. The Pope looks like some kind of like old man Marxist trying to bring down COVID lockdowns on the world and decrying anyone who would build a wall to keep out illegal immigrants. But now look at Italy. Italy is now being overrun with illegal immigrants from Africa running over the running roughshod over the entire place, they don't know how to act in, in civilization. They don't know how to participate in that society—a carefully balanced social structure that's archaic. It's centuries and centuries old, and you have these people that are now just going to come over on some rubber tube, and they're just going to flop up on shore. These people are total barbarians, right? They have no idea how to speak the language, how to do any kind of schooling or math. These are the unwashed, the zombies, and their whole intention is to criminally invade your nation. It's like a robber comes at the end of the night to jump over climb over your fence and break into your property and steal into your home. That's what these people have done. I just done it along geopolitical boundaries and they're there to take whatever those people have. They're Africans from Africa they're there to take whatever Italians can give them because they have no generational blessings back in Africa. They have no generational intelligence. They have they have no building social climate of development and innovation that's leading the people up, 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 up to a better state of living right now. Everything is going down, down, down. Everything is devolving. Everything is breaking down because there's no schools. There's no education, there's no industry, there's nothing for the people to do. They have all the minerals in the world right under their feet, right? China and the West, and everyone is fighting over the Congo and over the resources there in Africa. But the Africans that are there, as pitiful and pathetic as they are, they can't figure out how to get that stuff out of the ground. They just, they're just going to send their kids to go dig it up and sell it to the, the Chinese or whatever. If we get brought to this, if we get dumb if our society gets dumbed down to the place where we can't even carry on proper facts or proper information or proper education to our kids and that they their kids they can't even have kids anymore the demographic war is over you can go look at islam and all of its history try to find one aspect one divine spark one single facet of it that could possibly be said to help humanity in any kind of way it's not a complete fabricated deception a single philosophy in the Islamic text that can be said to be somehow edifying for humanity what could it be murder the Christians and Jews is that is that their saving grace kill all the Christians and Jews that's what the the Quran have you ever have you read it have you ever read it ok well that's what it says it says it right in English if you get the English translation There's nothing, there's no way for you to get around the fact that they are calling for religious murder of their opposition. That's their that's their fundamental texts. When Barack Obama was in a a madrasa in Indonesia or whatever, that's that's what he was learning when he was a 12-year-old boy. Pathetic, reprobate, pervert, deviant animal that he is. And him and Michael, it's not even appropriate to say out loud in public what those people do in private. It's disgusting. Here we are. We hate the wickedness of the left. I guess we can call it the left. Of the depraved Marxist suicide party. The, the party for national suicide. We, we hate all of their ideas, all their ideology, all their beliefs. They're like, you guys are haters. You guys are hate cr- criminals. Because you hate. Oh yeah, we hate. And my, my hatred of your depravity is beyond criminal. It's militant. We hate. Everything you do, we hate the, the fact that you're trying to have our kids aborted or have our kids transgendered. We hate it. We hate you for doing it. It's disgusting. It sears the conscience, what you people are doing. It's just like the, the, the Pope over there in Rome is trying to change the entire religion. There's been 750 Popes, 750 Antichrists, and now this guy, this this new one, thinks he can just change the whole thing, right? Because he's the Vicar of Christ on Earth. He's the Governor of the World, the King of Rome, right? Right? Christ's viceroy on earth. Because whatever he loosens in heaven lo- really, really loosens, right? That's what That's what these people believe. They, they try to appropriate all the, the Christian concepts and epistemology and all the eschatology and prophecy of biblical scriptures. And I just want to try to mix it in into that amalgamation of occult witchcraft and unclean pagan sorcery and that whole entire sickening Egyptian Babylonian Pythagorean priestcraft and Mithraic rituals that are, are representative there in the priestcraft that ultimately culminated in the Jesuit order, who, are, who they say they're the society of Jesus, but they're the society of Jesus or Jesus or the son of Zeus. So Jesus is not the name of the Messiah, Yeshua is. They're not the society of Yeshua at the society of Isus the false Messiah the the son of Zeus right all the children of the gods remember remember who else was a son of Zeus oh Julius Caesar was because he had the blood of Venus in his veins right he was he was one of he, all all these different individuals like to say that their blood goes back to Hercules and Hercules was born of Zeus and they had the blood of the gods right so it goes back into the nephilim stuff and you guys out there who are educated know about it you know about the nephilim and how the these angels came down and mixed their genetics with the people they had giants it's all biblical so you know we go into this historical reality and nobody knows about it nobody knows a thing about the historical reality they want to go into the Pleistocene era 52 billion years ago the Pleistocene era was was... They, they try to act with that complete nonsensical delusional fantasy they present like they could do some kind of metric oh we figure it was 150 million years ago you don't know what happened 10,000 years ago you don't know what happened 3,000 years ago you don't know dick you don't know dog shit you don't know anything because you're just made up complete delusional fake pseudoscience pseudo pseudos history. false that's what you guys got And hey, I'm I'm with it, I'm with geology, I'm with looking at the fossil record, I'm with like, oh look at the Cambrian explosion. Look here in the fossil record all around the world, you go down here eight feet down, you go back a long, long, long time ago, a billion years or whatever, there was a Cambrian explosion of life forms, all kind of weird, bizarre, bacteria-looking crabs, and all kinds of weird life forms everywhere, out of nothing. I, I believe that. I love geology, I love science, real science, I love it. It shows that God made this place. It shows this place was created out of nothing. And all these life forms were nothing. It was nothing, and then there was an ocean, and then suddenly, just like that, all of a sudden the seas are teeming with life. They call it the Cambrian Explosion. Yeah, I believe in science. I just don't believe in your false pseudo-treatment of revisionist science, the quackery that you guys use to keep yourself on your godless path. Stay on it. By all means, don't hear the truth and be saved turn and turn away from your destruction don't do that don't turn yourself from your destruction where you're aborting babies and having kids surgically neutered to cut off their testicles to try to be a little girl don't change your ways right just stay on with this this disgusting reprobate deformity of truth that you you so you say that you have, and we're against you. We're against you all the way. And you can try to take your disgusting reprobate sexual agenda. I, I don't want to hear how people have sex. I don't want to know if they if they're having sex as same sex partners or I, I don't want to know about it. It's, not, it's nobody's business who's having sex. We don't want to see your sex flag. We don't want to see your reprobate pervert sex culture. We don't want to hear about LGBTQYFBG. We don't want to hear about it. Me and my wife, we can have our relationship, nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody wants to hear about your disgusting, butt-loving, sodomite relationships that you do, which are unnatural and unhealthy. Nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody wants to hear about you overcompensate for your lack of security in your indefined quasi relationship that you got okay i'm sorry that you're struggling with that and, and you don't feel like a real person or you don't feel like you're really being seen or you are you're, you're really a completely fully formed individual and you got to like wave a sex flag around for everyone to see what you do in private nobody cares perverts the only thing we're trying to do here is save our kids for those people who know how to put a penis and a jang, jang together and make a baby we're trying to save the babies even if you're a reprobate pig and you were unconscious when you had the bait when you got impregnated I'm I don't care. All I care about is the baby gets a chance to live and be the person that they were meant to be. You, the parents, we could just throw you away. We could abort you. Democrats, we can abort you. That's fine. It's fine to just abort you out of existence. We don't need you. We can depopulate the leftist Democrats. They love abortion murder. They love depopulation murder. They love COVID vaccine murder. They love it. So let's get rid of them. So you guys want to depopulate and murder and kill babies, let's just get rid of you. And we'll solve the problem. How about that? Maybe that's what we can can pray to our God to eliminate all these enemies off the face of the earth, get rid of them, since all they seem to be fixated on doing, their godless, unrighteous wickedness, is they seem to be fixated on getting rid of us, because we're normal sex people who love our kids and have babies in a little bassinet, and we have normal things like a baby reveal, this is it going to be a boy or girl, blue or pink? Oh, like, we're just normal people and that they want to populate us off the face of the earth and replace us with transgendered cyborgs with brain implants. That's, that's what these morons are going to try to do. That's their genius idea. That's all they could come up with. So we're going to fight it to the very end and we're going to ridicule and decry it for what it is, a sickening and depraved joke. And that's what these people are. And you got to stop letting your kids be around these individuals. You can't trust your children around adults stranger danger that's how we're going to save our future generations is because you're not an ignorant fool and you all just put your precious baby and plop him down in front of just any old person that you see who's wearing a, a, a teacher sticker in some supposed school no, these are propaganda re-education facilities and the propaganda camps and they're there to ruin your kid's mind and ruin their sexuality and ruin their fucking sense of who they are and their own self-esteem Forever. So get your kids away from them.
3: Our guest today is the former NSA senior intelligence analyst and whistleblower Russ Tice, a great American. Russ, thank you for being with us again. Let's start with the intelligence community right now is a mystery. It's always a mystery to me. Why is it the intelligence community of this country seems to be failing on so many fronts, but succeeding wildly? In surveilling their own citizens, focusing it—it it seems to me, honestly—on domestic politics and not geopolitics and international threats to this country.
8: Well, the answer is control. Um, and they—if they, if, if they have—if they can gather um, unseemly information on people of power, they can ultimately use that information to uh, blackmail them to make sure that the coffers and that the uh, the uh, Inlays in and for uh, the intelligence community will keep on coming. I think I mentioned before, uh, NSA has been swimming in money for the last twenty years, and and no one has ever questioned their budget.
3: When I thought, as you said, they were swimming in money. What is going on? This seems to be a huge propaganda push to build a, a an even huge uh, budget, uh, even greater.
8: Well, back in the days of the Cold War, when we had the big missile gap, which ultimately was used to spend. You know, hundreds of billions of dollars in the de- defense industry. Uh, I think you're right. This is another push uh, for for. I mean, does anyone really know that the what artificial intelligence is and 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 how it works and how this is? You know, this, to me, this is a bunch of uh, you know if then lines on a computer program. Um, you know, the, if, the knowledge might be latent as far as you know what's what's going on with this, but. Uh, to me, it's a it's a Gordian knot that uh, someone needs to put a uh, a katana to a real sharp one and uh, cut through this thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's an easy way to uh, to frighten people and uh, make sure that that uh, that the budget even increases you know substantially from here.
3: Well, I, I, artificial intelligence is, uh, to me, frankly, I, I, it's incomprehensible to me uh, what artificial intelligence is. I, I have enough trouble with intelligence itself uh, and the fact that our intelligence agencies seem to have a quite checkered record when it comes to uh, making uh, other nation states' uh, actions and policies and intentions uh understandable and uh, uh, their actions uh, predictable Uh, it's just uh, to me it's a strange world that i'm not sure there's a lot of success really uh, when we when we examine the record carefully for example why does the intel community not know everything about what hunter biden was doing in all of those foreign countries Uh, it should have been right out in front of them You know, spooling up on every recording device they had, uh, or did they know? And is there some reason then to suspect that they were just blackmailing uh, the Biden family uh, in some way?
8: Well, I think uh, that's the answer. Um, You know, basically, you have a bunch of nihilists at NSA that, uh, that, yes, they do. The answer is yes, they do have that information because they're collecting everything and storing it. So, if if they want to, they can at any time, you know, pull someone aside and even the president say, you know, this is what we have, and oh, by the way, we also have all these uh, these bank records that uh, where, where we we have the money coming directly to you, which is which is the smoking gun. Um, you know, actually, that's the bullet firing out the gun. So, um, NSA is, in in my opinion, they're using this information for blackmail, and and it's. it's the President, it's Congress, it's Senators, I mean it's uh, judges, it's uh, military officials, it's everybody that they they collect everything on. so think about it. if you have that kind of power on on and know everything about everyone's communications, how you could use that.
3: I wonder how it was being used in the Obama administration in particular, because as uh, it's becoming quite popular to say, all roads lead back to. That. I wonder how it was being used in the Obama administration in particular, because as uh, it's becoming quite popular to say, all roads lead back to Obama now, uh, because it was in the last two years of his administration that Biden uh, seemed to reach uh, the apex of his, uh, of his corruption uh, and the bribery with uh, nation states that are straight out enemies of the United States. Uh, it was also in the first part of his administration that Hillary Clinton came to, to power as Secretary of State, And what followed was the Clinton Foundation and what was an admixture of foreign states, both uh, friendly and hostile, but all supportive of that foundation and putting a great deal of money in the pockets of the Clintons. Again, the NSA and the CIA had to know or be a party to uh, all that the Clinton Foundation was doing, right?
8: That's correct. You know, this is duplicity, um, and ultimately, you know, I mean, the most favored nation uh, the status for trade for China uh, back in the Clinton administration. This is the, the you know the Aphrodite rolling golden apples in front of them, and then as they're picking up, they, they just you know you know they have areas, they shoot a love arrow into them, and they get whatever they want. So um, that's that's what's happening here. We're being subverted.
3: We're being subverted and in, all, in all quarters. And right now, the federal government, and I've said this repeatedly uh, on this show, our federal government is not ours. Uh, the consent of the government is no longer required. But our, uh, you know, our obeisance, uh, our absolute uh, uh, insistence on uh, maintaining uh, absolute order and conformity and uh, uniformity in all we say or think or otherwise we become an enemy of the state. Uh, This is a very real moment in history. Uh, We have a police state, a surveillance state, and that's not conspiracy theory. That's observance of facts that are extant now for some, for some years. Uh, and I don't know how we, uh, we cut this particular knot uh, at all uh, because right now the intelligence agencies have the superior knowledge. Uh, we do not have access to that knowledge. These are black boxes. Every one of these alphabet agencies is a black box unto itself. And I don't for a moment believe that the Director of National Intelligence even has a handle on what is going on in each of those agencies. And I know for a fact that the Senate uh, and the House uh, Oversight Committees and Intelligence Committees sure don't have uh, any kind of real influence over those agencies. Your thoughts?
8: Well, Once again, um, I don't know whether they know that some of these folks that are in Congress, they have some um, checkered pasts. So all that information is now within the reach of the intelligence community to be used against them. Yes, I, we are, we have, we've been sort of a, a covert uh, police state for quite some time. I said that almost 20 years ago. Uh, of course, people said I was crazy. Uh, when I suggested NSA was, was spying on everyone. That's, um, you know, I, I'm, I was not that crazy at the time, supposedly. Well, that's all, that's all come you know, to fruition that we all know this now. Um, and the American people need to wake up because we're, we're reaching, we're reaching this, um, uh, this event horizon and, and quickly and at some point, we're either going to have to have an inflection point where we fight against this and, and, and do, do away with it or let we're me, doomed.
3: Let me interject real quickly before we uh, take a quick moment here. Uh, Russ Heiss is making a reference, uh, to the, the time, the early 2000s, uh, that, uh he. Was a whistleblower in the NSA as a senior intelligence analyst, uh, and we're going to talk about what flows from that, what he had discovered in that time that uh, prompted him uh, to go uh, to be a whistleblower uh, on the NSA and its activities. We're coming right back with Russ Tyson. We're going to explore further. What is the intelligence community doing? They know everything. Why don't they say something? Isn't that the way it goes? See something? Say something? I guess it applies to everyone but the intelligence community. We'll be right back with Russ Tice. Stay with us. So, uh,
5: NS... Crime ad-free to catch up on the latest episodes. Without the ads.
3: We're back with Russ Tice. uh, NSA whistleblower. Great American. Uh, He was uh, national... uh, intelligence uh, senior national intelligence uh uh, A, uh well let me try this again we're back with Russ Tice, who was uh, a whistleblower, uh, for, for the, well, for against the National Security Agency, a senior intelligence analyst for the NSA for uh, for a very long time. Uh, Russ, it's just great to have you back with us. As I was saying, and we're talking about the sweep and the, and the breadth of uh, of the intelligence community's knowledge about what happens within this country uh, and without. It's problematic about how effective they've been in international intelligence, isn't it? Uh, It's it's strange that uh, we have now uh, the CIA, the NSA, uh, complaining about all of the activity in China uh, concerning uh, artificial intelligence. But we're not hearing a lot about what is actually happening in other areas within China, whether it is their uh, hypersonic missiles, their their buildup of their navy, or their actual plans, whether it be in the Western Hemisphere, and if so... Why, how in the world could they build bases in Cuba, uh, own the Panama Canal, and have so much uh, engagement in South America, Venezuela, Brazil, uh, and so forth? You, your thoughts on uh, that's what seems to be a, a contradiction within the idea of intelligence uh, in the intel community.
8: Well, it used to be that we had, we had a very large uh, haystack, and we, we were looking for the needles that were indeed those intelligence threats, they were coming from afar, from the foreign countries, uh, China and Russia, uh, Iran, North Korea. But all of a sudden, well, we've um, quadrupled the size of that haystack by including uh, supposed enemies, domestic enemies, our own people. So now, instead of analysts, uh, you know, worrying about the, you know, finding... Um, you know, a, a secret uh, facility in China where they're producing some you know new new submarine that that, that is as quiet as a church mouse. Um, now, now they're busy uh, going after uh, people's communications who who go to church at the wrong church or, or show up the at the uh, uh, the uh, the, church, uh, the the school meeting to protest. Uh, you know, wanting to have their children mutilated. So. Um, the haystacks increased, and and our enemies know that we're looking, and they do things to to hide their capabilities. Um, so you know, right now the low fruit is going after our citizens.
3: Yeah, and that that's true. And apparently, low fruit includes uh, the the networks and systems of corporate America, uh, American commercial banks, the biggest and the most uh, supposedly uh, sophisticated in terms of technology and uh, cyber defense as well as uh, warfare on the part of the federal government. Uh, Yet we're seeing the Office of Personnel Management uh, invaded cyber attacks almost at will, whether it be the Chinese or the the Russians or the Iranians, whomever it may be. Uh, It is head-scratching to think that we are uh, vulnerable to all of these attacks, without seemingly any sort of build-up and defenses, effective defenses, and without strategic uh, responses—that is, counterattacks on China and Russia—and uh, and taking command of the battlefield. The battlefield, it seems, is uh, more in the grip of our enemies uh, than our than than the United States. You're thinking.
8: Well, part of this is our own doing. I mean. Our intelligence services, NSA, they've intentionally put backdoors into into security systems, into cyber security systems, so that, to allow themselves to go in and snoop and do things. Uh, you know, that are being used domestically. Uh, some of these same uh, security, some of these same security systems are being used by our enemies or people that are finding out where these back doors are and how to to manipulate them to use against us. So. So we're, we're building in our own vulnerabilities into our systems, uh, So supposedly, so that we can snoop on our own, yet it's being turned against us by our enemies. It's total insanity and just plain stupid.
3: Well, speaking of stupid, let's talk about Congress. And by Congress, I mean the House of Representatives and the Senate. Uh, why is it we know that the Chinese, and let's talk about just the Chinese here for a minute, we know they're stealing at least 600 billion dollars because that's what everyone is acknowledging. 600 billion dollars in military, sophisticated secret military technology and intellectual property, uh, whether it be uh, applicable to either the in business, uh, business uh, interest or whether it be uh, for the military. 600 billion a year. We know that there are all of these front companies. Thousands of them from the Chinese in this country right now. We know that in our universities, in our colleges, that there are all sorts of Chinese influences, whether it be Confucius Institutes or whether it simply be uh, agents of the CCP operating uh, in these uh, universities. Why is it they are able, it seems at least uh, to me, able to operate so freely without response and without a single takedown that I'm aware of uh, in terms of the numbers, the dollars that are stolen from us and the level of technology uh, and intellectual property uh, that is uh, that goes straight to Beijing?
8: I think the answer is complicity and bribery. Um, some of these places are just complicit. Uh, they don't want to care. They don't, they're just... Uh, uh, um, indolence is involved, you know, you know, or they're, they're, you know, there's, there's money to be had in selling uh, technology uh, when when the buyer is uh, is paying big time profits or they're pumping the right amount of money into someone's uh, you know, reelection campaign. No, um,
3: you no, know, I understand the human nature aspect of the perpetrators and, and those who uh, American citizens who would be turned, Uh, for profit or whether it be ideological reasons, whatever it may be. What I don't understand is that this vast uh, intelligence network, sophisticated technology and uh, advanced uh, computing uh, and surveillance, uh, remote sensing, you name it, satellites, uh, we've got it all. Why are we not able to stop the simple theft or it's complex theft of intellectual property from almost every quarter of our society and our economy.
8: Well, the answer is we could stop it, but but there are people that are making the uh, big time profits uh, on that information going to China, uh, and they're not going to allow it to stop um, because of a profit margin. Uh, you know, ultimately the the information goes to China, even even if it's something that's not involved in in uh, defense uh, but if it's some you know a new technology and computers or whatever um, they're going to to use it there to, to exploit it and then they're going to mass produce it there using very cheap uh, labor and then sell it back to us uh, you know and then people here are going to make big time profits and uh, so it's money i think ultimately the, the dollar sign is the, the number one culprit there
3: well i, I again i understand human nature And I understand the temptations, and I even understand the people who return. But I'm talking about the people within the intelligence community who don't have, they know full well that they will be, uh, they will be watched carefully, so they're not likely going to be the nefarious uh, operators here and activists. They should be the eyes and ears of the American people and this government. And I don't understand why they have been unsuccessful in shutting down Chinese theft of intellectual property and uh, advanced technology, whether it be military or commercial or industrial. That's what I don't understand. Why somebody in the NSA, someone in the CIA, uh, any one of these agencies uh, is saying, you know, hey boss, we've got to move on this because I, I heard Lou Dobbs say that thousands of front companies CCP intelligence uh, operations operating in the United States, and by the way, it's been that way for thirty years.
8: There, there are analysts and collectors in the intelligence community uh, at the mid level and collecting at the, the lower office level that are that are screaming these things, but it, it all it all gets quashed at the upper level. Um, so, what's happening uh, with, with the, the senior? Uh, intelligence uh, community, where they're allowing these this information or, or these threats to just go uh, w- without being addressed, and and that means that you know it, it could be a director of an intelligence agency who's looking at his next career, uh, working for a company that's going to profit greatly from selling or, or giving or having that information go to China.
3: We're talking with Russ Tice and. Uh It's very disturbing what's going on in this country and what is not. We're coming right back. Stay with us, please. We're back now with Russ Tice. And, Russ, we're talking about a number of things, but one of the issues here is, uh, as you pointed out, the senior senior leadership of our intel agencies and the intel community, who watches the watchers? Who's watching them in the intelligence community so we know they're on the up-and-up and and not uh, in any way selling out their country uh, from the very top positions uh, in these agencies?
8: And the answer is no one. That's not a good answer. That's a terrible answer. You know, an underling can go to the IG Say at NSA an underling goes to the IG and says hey the upper the upper echelon is ignoring whatever uh, the, the problem is the IG is controlled by the by the, the chief executive of that uh, agency and and they the, the, even the IG's security clearances are controlled by the by the security office which is controlled by the executive uh, or the director of the agency so so the IG is completely corrupt Um, so they, they can't do a a proper investigation into why this is happening. And ultimately, once you start squeaking a whole lot and making a lot of noise, then the, uh, basically the IG is there to wrap uh, basically warn the upper echelon. Hey, you've got someone who's going to be a problem and who's rocking the boat. And we need to basically uh, put a rope around this guy's neck and hang him from the tree.
3: We're talking about, uh, figuratively speaking, uh, the result may feel a lot the same to, to those who find themselves in that position. I, I wonder, if, at this point, if we just have to acknowledge that our Senate Select Intelligence Committee and our House Select uh, Intelligence Committee, permanent select committees, I should say, uh, that they're just helpless, uh, there's just no way to to move, I know for a fact President Trump issued executive orders that were just uh, basically spit upon by the uh, leadership of the CIA, refused to follow them uh, in in declassifying
8: documents, for example. Uh, There's just no way around this, is there? In that case, uh, you know, that person, and I think I know you're talking about, she should have been fired immediately Um, because, yes, she was was a a swamp dweller. And she was there to wrap wrap around the the chief's uh, legs and and put her fangs into into his uh, calf, um, and that's what she did. And so many of them were we 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 just we just can't put up with with these swamp creatures. They they have to be eviscerated. Um, there's no other choice. Um, otherwise, even even if even if our champion gets back in, in you know, in the castle. Um, we can't, we can't have these uh, underlings that are there to just, uh, you know, destroy the whole system.
3: You and I have talked on a number of occasions, uh, and you have expressed great concern about President Trump's safety. Uh, you have considerable experience within the intelligence community. Uh, we, we know there are forces at work in this country that are dark, uh, and they are dangerous, and they pose a threat. And I'm talking about uh, within uh, the government itself, uh, as well as externally now, as uh, always that threat exists. Give us your sense about why you're concerned uh, and your sense of uh, the the most likely origin of those threats, should they act?
8: You know, we um, supposedly we don't assassinate people. um, And that's, you know. I don't, I don't know which president put out that executive order, but it supposedly gets, it gets renewed all the time. That's not true. We, we assassinate people. Um, we do it uh, quietly, and we do it with high tech, and we do it, uh, you know, if you've, ever, if you've ever read the Shakespeare's play Othello, and the, the way Iago makes uh, the Cassio look like the bad guy, like, uh, like he's, uh, he's trying to steal Desdemona away from Othello, that, you know, it's, thing, it's things that sneakily that are involved in these programs. And they're, they're all SAP programs, special access programs that are involved in, in these things. Now, the reason I know this is because in my technical ability, I think I was involved in supporting some things that happened overseas. Now, the, now these were very bad people and bad guys and, you know, when something blew up somewhere and, you know, bad guys, you know, you you just yeah. say, hey. The enemies of uh, the United States. Correct. Yeah, and okay, because that's my job. Um, I'm supporting, making sure the people that are involved in, say, you know, taking down our towers and putting a plane into the Pentagon, um, that they're going to pay a price for it. But then I noticed uh, when when the the DC Madam uh, situation in Florida happened, I I looked at that and I was very suspicious because of the way it was done. And I know a couple capabilities and I don't think I should, the, the CIA capabilities that, that, that we have that I don't think I should talk about right now. But and then I said to myself, you know, I'm pretty sure that might be, that might be one of our own jobs. And then then Ep- Epstein happened. And then I knew that, that this, was, this was the CIA and probably even the Mossad and the MI6 that were involved in this and a whole lot of money from some, some, uh, some wealthy people. Um, that's, that's that's how he was assassinated.
3: So you believe Epstein was assassinated, uh, despite the uh, absolute assurance of the Attorney General of the United States, Bill Barr, whose responsibility as Attorney General is uh, the entire purview of the Department of Justice, which means the Bureau of Prisons. And, uh, and you,
8: you're saying basically he lied through his teeth. Of course, he you know, well, I'm not sure whether you lied. He just he, maybe he just put his head in the sand. And he was told to put your head in the sand and don't do a thing. I can say, well, I have no knowledge of this happening, if, especially if I close, if I put, a, you know, blinders on my eyes and turn my head and, and put the earplugs in my ears. Then I can honestly say I have no knowledge of this, and we have no information because we didn't look. Um, right. Bar Bar is basically complicit in that. He was told to either lie or put your head in the sand. He did. Um, he did that uh, willingly. So yes, it was an assassination. Now here's the thing. Now 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 we're going after our own citizens. Whether you you know Epstein apparently was not the, the the you know a saint um, and deserved in my opinion to to have the law come down on him. Uh, but in this case, I, this was done to uh, make sure. Uh, excuse me. That some of his. Uh, his clients uh, and the, the fact that more than likely he was used by the CIA to, uh, to blackmail, um, you know, uh, people that they wanted to blackmail from, from his, his capabilities. So th- they can't have him going, you know, and saying that in court. So they, they, and, and of course he's going to sit there and say, Oh yeah, you put me in, you want to put me in jail? I'm going I'm to spill the beans. They had, they had to kill him. Now we are now at a point in my opinion where these, these swamp dwellers um, view President Trump as an existential, existential threat. Um, um, and, and they, I believe that they could potentially use the capabilities under these SAP programs to go after our former president and our number one uh, you know, contender right now to get back in the White House. And it is just, it scares me beyond belief. But these, these systems, they, they would be very subtle. They would make it look like an accident. Um, and, and, and everyone would go, oh, gee, yeah. Look, look way back in the records of the airplane where they infused some little thing about a valve. that was flickering or something. That must be the reason the plane went down. That's horrible. You know, let's have a state funeral and, and everybody salute. Um, or, or something of that. It, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's how it would be done. Something it would be done. To make it look like an accident but it, it would be directed right from right from langley and nsa would be supporting it and i think the fbi would be right there and, and, and here's my word to the secret service I'll be on your toes and you're not we're not talking about uh, you know the, the the loan shark enforcer now that you that, that you have to match wits with we're talking about some very sophisticated people
3: and we're talking with Russ Tice. Russ, it's uh, been, as always, a, a, an engaging, uh, interesting conversation with you. Uh, we're delighted to have you back with us, and I look forward to our next conversation, which will be soon. Russ Tice, thanks for being with us, and God bless you, Russ. My pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for being